Hey, everybody. Welcome to the new podcast. Just launching this. Um, this podcast, I'm going to call it, uh, for lack of anything better, but I think it's a pretty good title anyways, I'm going to call it All the Things with Luke Tim. That actually is, um, it's got a couple different meanings to it. Number one, we're going to talk about all different kinds of things on this podcast. So there you go. Uh, number two, there's a meme out there, uh, All the Thing memes, and it's just kind of about hyperbole and um, talking things through to its uh, utmost extreme end. So that's kind of some of the stuff we do. And um, well, if you ever go to Kenya, yeah, if you're ever in a, on a mission trip like I've been several times, they often speak in those kind of terms, like all the data or all the this or all the that. So uh, a couple of different meanings to that. So welcome to All the Things with Luke Tim. Um, this is the first podcast, uh, first episode, and it's in response to a Facebook post I made that kind of went kaboom. And uh, it was just about, um, really, I just I just reshared an article about the LCMS closing down um, Selma, uh, a historic black, the only historic black um, LCMS college that we have, and we shut that bad boy down, and um, people people kind of exploded. So there you go. So here's me and uh, Duncan talking about. Um, that uh, that little event and talking about the LCMS, a little bit of inside baseball on this. They won't all be LCMS related. They won't all be about this. They're going to be about everything. But uh, since this one touched a nerve, I figured we should talk about it as soon as possible. So hope you enjoy. Here it comes. <laughs> Duncan, my friend. Here we are again. It's a stretch, but okay. <laughs> friend is maybe a little overstating it. <laughs> Let's not get too comfortable this early in the morning. So here we are. We are recording this on, can I say, when we're, we're recording this yes, on please. Good Friday. I know, isn't it great? Both of us, sweatshirt and jeans, completely completely unrehearsed. <laughs> I love it. Because we know what's coming. Yeah. Man. Are you guys doing anything on Saturday, like a vigil? No. Kind of thing um, that you're – are you celebrating the death and resurrection of Jesus? Not really. I mean it's kind of a minor holiday in the church year, right? Yeah, well he rose, uh, he rose spiritually in the hearts of the disciples and, and his right. death was – his body was eaten by dogs. Right. So, so. – <laughs> I just say he does this every year. At some point after 2,000 years, is it really still special again? Enough is enough. There's right. no way that history could, could center around just one event that's not about me. I know. So why – I mean is it really relevant? I mean is, people don't die anymore. We got to move on. <laughs> no, death is death is salvation, see, because death is when I get my angel wings. Oh, that's right. And there's f- holes in the floors of heaven. God waters the earth with tears of angels or something. He needed another flower in his garden. That's right. That's right. Wouldn't it suck to become a flower? I never really thought about it, to be honest. <laughs> I mean, if you're if you're like the Venus flytrap, that'd be pretty sweet. That'd be okay. But think about it. If you are a flower... Even plants eat meat. What now, vegans? <laughs> <laughs> oh, let's not talk about vegans. <laughs> I can't even... Can't even. No, but if you were a flower, think about it. People always love to smell you, but remember that... The smelly parts of the flower is basically their crotch. I mean, that's their reproductive organs. So if you were if you were a flower, it would just be constant people sticking their face in your crotch, you, like your whole existence. Hence Venus flytrap. Right, 
right. You come to sniff my crotch, I eat you. <laughs> I'm going to eat you. <laughs> all right. So what happened? Having on, said all that. <laughs> what happened on Facebook? So, I, so you posted something. <laughs> me, Luke, Tim, thinking. And, and apparently everybody wants to uh, hear their own opinion on a social media platform. I'm going to read verbatim what I posted. Nothing to see here. Everything is fine. <laughs> that was my post. <laughs> and and I think it hit about 280 comments or something like that. Like, what? I didn't... Because you were commenting on <laughs> Selma, Concordia Selma, yep. historically black, the only historically black LCMS college in our system, uh, not receiving enough aid to remain viable and, and, and shutting down and addressing the – does that reflect priorities in the Senate that are maybe – uh, out of touch with our culture. Yeah, and I, I think, or, e- or even the the Missio Day. Yeah, <laughs> look it up, people. Look it up. <laughs> I my thought on that initially was, you know, it, it, find, you have to make tough financial decisions. Obviously, the LCMS has to has to do these things. But what I was kind of saying with nothing to see here, everything is fine. Is um, like we're not we're not there should be a healthy amount of panic. You know, there there needs to be from the leadership. Hey, we got to do something and change things and make something better. Because well, and problems. And you saw my post. Well, the answer, of course, is to ride out the demographic train and have more babies. Right? White babies. <laughs> as I as you I said that. Pointed yeah. out, <laughs> listen, this is the LCMS. We're only interested in Caucasians. Everybody else, go away. Here's where I think the synod was dysfunctional <clears throat> on the Selma thing. I don't really know a whole lot about it, but I do know that if you put out an appeal. And, and whether it's from Selma or whether it's from some Kirkwood office, right? Yeah. That to the congregations and to the pastors saying, this university of ours is going to shut down unless they raise X number of dollars here. If they raise X number of dollars, we assure you that they will be on stable ground for the foreseeable future. Can we count on you and your church for, I mean, every congregation in the synod coughs up two grand, the problem goes away. Right. Can we count on you for support for Selma? We would have taken an offering. Oh yeah, but I mean, I didn't know. I knew they were in hard times, right? But but I'm on their mailing list for. We gave them a couple of bucks, literally, uh, back when they're. I think they had a, that bus accident. and They lost a lot of their right. their stuff a few years ago. Yeah, and so we we coughed. I mean, you know, we coughed up enough to basically uh, pay for them to continue to send us mailers. Since then, asking <laughs> for more money. But never in their correspondence with us did they say, um, we're going to shut down and your $25 is going to be for nothing if you don't support us more. If we had known that individually, we would have said, let's pray about it and, and probably come up with a couple more bucks. Right. So I think there was a breakdown in communication, both Selma not telling everyone we're going to die and the synod saying, hey, one of our, univer- our historically black university in the, in the synod – is going down. We need your help. Right. I think that for my my biggest issue, I, I think you're right. I think they would have gotten um, support, funding, all of that. But um, over and above, that's that's not the best. Nobody thinks that that's a good long term strategy to to get to a point where you're about to close and go. Ah, somebody send me money. Well, we should have made good decisions five years ago, right? I mean, that's right. And so, now we're still not making them because what is our strategy? To close the things that are the are dying, <laughs> like you just we're just or like, get Mequon to come in and save them, 
Yeah, I mean, they were not doing. This is not a strategy. Mequon Me- Me- was saving Ann Arbor, right? Yeah, that was yeah. Yep. But we're not. We're not. This is not a strategy to move forward. This is. Hey, um, that thing is about to. Uh, we have to close that. Oh, oh, there's the thing over there. We uh, we're gonna go ahead and close that. Uh, let's. Um, we need money. Let's sell the property in Hong Kong and move the headquarters over to Taiwan. Uh, let's do this because we're running out of money. Okay, so what is our strategy forward? I get we have to we have to do damage control for now, but I mean, especially with Selma. I mean, I joke about us being pretty cracker white in in the LCMS. But we kind of are. I mean, that's kind of who he is. So we should be investing in places that are multicultural. We need to be pl- uh, investing in in demographics that aren't traditionally ours because that's what our country is now, and certainly will be more. I mean, we're not we're not getting more white. We're we're getting more brown. Thanks be to God. I mean, I th- think that's great. I mean, right, right. It's a big whatever. People are people. And, and, mm-hmm. and, you know, the pigmentation of your skin is about as interesting as the color of your hair. Um, and this may be taking us in a different direction, but I, I, I want to get back to a direction of the synod and talk about mission um, and what kind of what we're going through at St. Paul. And maybe the synod needs to do this as well and maybe in convention. Um, but I think one of the things we struggle with is when we do ministry that is – we do ministry that targets minorities. Right. Right. And in, quote, targeting them, we are saying you're different and we need to treat you differently instead of saying, what is it about our churches, our life together, that people who have a background that is different from the vast majority of our members doesn't feel comfortable coming in? And so we throw a Hispanic mini- initiative together. We throw a, a black ministry together instead of saying, what's, what's wrong with us white people that, that those people with different color skin don't feel comfortable coming to our churches. Right. <laughs> Instead, we give them a church that looks like them. And, and does, that really, does that really solve the problem? No. I don't think it does. It just tells other people, you deal with them. Yeah. And I want to know, what are, what are we doing at St. Paul that may or may not be appealing to people of, I don't care the color, just backgrounds, different backgrounds. Right. Right. Why do people not feel comfortable coming and sitting here and listening to the good news? Why do they not feel comfortable building relationships with the people who call this place their church home? Right. I don't want to think about maybe we need to plant a Hispanic church in Ankeny. <laughs> no, we, we are the church for white people, Hispanic people, black people, Asian people. The list goes on and on and on. Yeah. Why aren't we? I know. We should be, right? <laughs> but <laughs> what kind of message do you send too when you're like, oh, so we're starting a Hispanic church over there? So please don't come to ours. <laughs> like, I mean, does, isn't that what it feels? I, I'm not Hispanic. I don't know. But I would think that's kind of what that feels like. You know, well, we have, have you, oh, you're, you're from Mexico or you're, you're, you're from South America. So we have a church for you. It's over there. It's not right. this one. <laughs> it's Hispanic ministries down the road. <laughs> that's right. <cute. laughs> for me, that's a terrible message to send. But like we need to invest in. So, what you're saying. I mean, I think we've what identified a problem, yeah. right? but but our solution is well, we're going to stay the white church yeah, and then we're going to build a brown church. Yeah. That's – again, I hate, to, I hate to get all Bible on you, right? But, <laughs> it's but, Good Friday. What are you doing? <laughs> Bible doesn't happen until 7 p.m. <laughs> <laughs> or if you want a children's program to go with your Tenebrae service, you could come to St. Paul at 5 o'clock and at 7 
He could, but nobody likes. I'm advertising for our church on a podcast that's going to air next week. Yeah, it's right. fantastic. <laughs> think it through, McClellan. Right. So, <laughs> um, right. So I think I think we we've identified the problem, but our solution. I mean, biblical, right? So, in the end, everybody's all together. Yeah. Right, and that's the model for the early church. It should be the model for the 21st century church, right? And so, but 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 again, that requires hard hard questions. And this gets back to the mission of the synod: Why are people with different backgrounds not comfortable coming to us, or why are we not comfortable going to them? Right, right. And 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 it, that gets back to the mission of the synod. And I, maybe we need to be even more basic, right? And you're saying what's the what's the program to achieve the goal? And we need to rethink about what our program is, our method. I would argue we need to, we need to look at what is the mission of the synod. Right, I hundred percent agree. We're doing mission statement stuff at at, at St. Paul right now, and it's why does God have us here? Look, He's got a ton of churches in Ankeny. Some of them are good, some of them aren't. But why why does He have us? And the Missouri Synod Incorporated needs to look at God has a ton of denominations out there, right? Probably too many. Why are we necessary? What do we bring to the table as a as a man-made denomination. Right. And until we have that figured out, what we bring to the table, we may be we may be aiming at a target, right? But but it, do we know it's the right target? And wh- why are we here? Are, are we here to represent sound biblical theology, period? We have doctrine right. Come to us to get your doctrine. Okay, well, if that's the case, then why are our seminaries pretty much exclusively open to people from Missouri Synod backgrounds? Right. Why are why are our colleges preparing people to go into the Concordia system? Right. Right. So if we are this bastion of sound doctrine for all of Christendom, why aren't we inviting all of Christendom in to receive this gift that we've been given? Now, if our purpose is something else, what is that something else? I think you can make a case that the reason why we're here is the preservation of sound doctrine. We have the second largest education system outside of the Catholics, yet we're the 10th largest denomination. Right. We are the nerdy kid in the back of the classroom <clears throat> that everybody ignores until it's exam time. <laughs> so, when okay, is exam time in this so, analogy? Is that death? Right, right. <laughs> is that the resurrection? <laughs> when is it? <laughs> but so run with that. If that's why we're here, then let's right. then let's go with it. Mm-hmm. But then let's let's engage the evangelicals. Let's engage the Methodists. Let's engage the Catholics and say, hey, you know, yeah. I think a big a big part of the reason why we don't is the myth of purity and the I mean the fallacy of precision because I, I think that there is this mindset of sounds like you prepared for this. No, this oh, these are just man. thoughts that I've had kicked around because I just sit and, and think on this and go like often I'll, I'll read something online uh, I'll go to somebody's website or something and, and I'll read it and be like what is wrong with that guy <laughs> and just sit there and try and think like. How did he get to that point in life? Because at some point, his mom loved him, <laughs> right? And, and he snuggled with his mom. And I got like I have I have kids, and I, and I know a lot of kids. Like they're cute and they're good, and and I love them. But then you I, you just find these these just assholes. <laughs> and I go, um, by the way, this is not going to be. I'm going to disconnect this from the um, Living Faith podcast, and this is going to be a different podcast. Because I want to swear, <laughs> that's kind of what it boils down to. Oh no, really? Because I don't, I don't want all of this politics and, and all these different sort of things stuck to the the Living Faith podcast. And I've I've been thinking about doing this. Well, we've had this conversation. It's more for the listener than than you. Um, 
but what, how did that guy get to that point? And I think at some point, um, people can get, um, allured, you know, they, they, they can get baited into this idea that they can get their doctrine perfect and they're striving for it. Now, I, I think all of us who've gone through that system have doctrine and theology really well nailed down. But I, I love doing this. You get a bunch of pastors in the room and say, so is your doctrine perfect? Like just the uncomfortable silence in the kind of moving around, be like, well, I don't want to say yes, because that sounds arrogant, but I want to say no, because then uh, somebody's going to call me a heretic. It's one of those questions you can't get an answer to. But like, So you're you're chasing a level of perfection and purity that, that you can't actually get to. And I think that's what, um, so that, that generates this fear. I don't want it to be corrupted. If we invite evangelicals to our seminaries, we might get some on us. You know, like we, ah, oh, gross. <laughs> These evangelicals are here, and well, I, and I know that the evangelicals have absolutely nothing to offer us. So I mean, <laughs> it's a pretty valid point. Um, <laughs> but it really, I, I think that's the, I think that's the thing is, is we've right. That's the thinking. That's the thinking. We, of perfection. Right. Don't come here because you you might goo us up and make us dirty like you and and that's that. Now that's what we have is if everybody goes okay, well, we won't go there. And then they close it. <laughs> then Selma happens. We go, how did we get here? Like, I don't know. <laughs> you told them not to come. Yeah, he was super discouraged people. Like, well, it's kind of like, okay, parochial school, right? Yeah, yep. So parochial school is an outreach, but we charge non-members twice what we charge right. members. It's that kind of like you do realize. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's the same thing for our education. We have this wonderful gift of the gospel and doctrine and whatever. But unless you're kind of born and bred Missouri Synod, it might be hard for you to fit in. Yeah. Well, it, it takes time. It, it takes time and effort to pull somebody into um, a system of theology that is so rigorous and well-defined as we have. If, so coming from the outside in is a challenge if we are insisting that, well, to be one of us, it requires that you get this. Um, that's hard. Which is interesting, giving our given our theology of baptism, right? right. <laughs> because we're all baptized into Christ, you are on the team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, our, our our theology of baptism needs to come into how do we view these other people yeah. who are coming into not only our uh, not only our, edu- our our education system, but also our congregations. Right. We had a um, talked to a lady last night yesterday in the office, and she had been coming to our church on and off with her husband for 20 years, but she was raised Methodist, and so she'd never communed. Yeah. And it would, but I'm Methodist. Like, okay. Once in a while, she'd go to a Methodist church. I'm like, but you're here more than most of our members are. Right. Right. So if you're Methodist, then so is the rest of our church. <laughs> so, so just talking with her about communion and saying, you know, it's not about the card that you're carrying. It's about you know, should I recommend you come up or should I turn you away? You know, and, and based on her understanding of communion and, and, and what's going on and her faith in Christ, I'm like, I, I have no biblical, should you come up? That's between you and your Lord. I do know that what you've told me, I have no biblical basis to turn you away. Mm-hmm. You know, and and uh, how do we view people coming in from, from the outside, yeah. right? And, and uh, I think a good litmus test for a pastor um, in an LCMS church is to, to find somebody <laughs> that doesn't think right <laughs> and then 
talk to him. And then, but for the whole purpose, forget that person. Screw that guy. <laughs> for you, feel like, what does it feel like when they say something that doesn't line up with your own thoughts and beliefs? Because I think a lot of times it's been drilled into us, like the impulse should be to correct them. <laughs> like, you know, oh, that, that, I see. Okay, <laughs> we, stop talking. Here's how you're wrong. Let me show <laughs> you the wrongness of you. We can get this fixed quick and then we can talk again. <laughs> like, can we, can we allow people to um, learn? <laughs> can, we, can we give people time so you don't have to be 100% squared up with your doctrine and theology as of today to come to church tomorrow? I mean, it, let's bring people along so that people – and this has, been, this has been part of what's behind Living Faith. And I think what, what is going so well here is, is people come and they've got – you know, very different ideas from the LCMS and and uh, from Orthodox Christianity, and what they're not hearing, and so many of them have said, have been to these other LCMS churches. This feels different. Is they're not hearing? Well, check all of that at the door, toe the line, say the words we tell you to say, and then you know, over time, you'll realize how stupid you used to be. We said, okay, I see where you're at now. Let's talk about this one thing, and we'll work through that for I don't know. Years. <laughs> Try that in a relationship, right? Because th- that to me reeks of insecurity. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, in a relationship, tell me you love me. T- tell me you love me. <laughs> but I had a rut, tell me you love me. And so we're, we, we come across as being insecure. If our doctrine is the Bible, then our response should be, well, let's read the Bible. What, what, do, you, what do you see it saying? Right? And, and we'll, just, we'll just spend time in Scripture together. Right. And I don't have an agenda to tow. I don't have a party line to whatever. Um, we're going to read the Bible, and as we learn what the Bible says, you're going to see that it lines up with what we believe, teach, and confess. But we come at people, I think, with Lutheran doctrine first. And now that you know what the Bible says, because I've told you because of Lutheran doctrine, now maybe go read the Bible. Right, and you'll you know, see how Lutheran it is. <laughs> you know who else does that? Catholics. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, that's what I was thinking of while you were saying it. So, um, kind of getting back to the... Your 282 comments? Yeah, pouring my coffee here. I hope you can hear that on the podcast because it's delicious. Um, there's there's cold stuff in the fridge too, by the way. There's like double shot espressos and mm. I run on caffeine, baby. It's, it's how I live. Um, yeah, back to the, all the, the comments and stuff. I think that's the synod is at a point right now where I'll, all I did <laughs> was... was Link to the article, say nothing to see here, everything is fine. I've maybe commented, I don't know, 15, 20 out of the 200 and some comments. Just enough to stoke the... Yeah, yeah, it was, God, it was crazy. What a what a crazy thing. But I, I think there is this, we're at a boiling point right now where... Um, People are just frustrated. Yeah. I, everywhere. I, think, I mean, just like, it's not working. What are we doing wrong? It's not working. Right. And in those kind of scenarios... People tend to make bad mis- bad decisions. Yeah. Well, it's a time when um, – so I've, I've been in that kind of a position in congregations before, this one and previous one. And I can tell you that, um, yes, tough decisions like closing Selma, that's a thing. Now, you have to start to make the other really tough decisions, which are to, to turn this thing away but now start this road. And if all you're doing is reduction, then you're just going to continue to make these hard decisions until the last one is, you know, we've got one position left in, in synod. 
resident. Great. <laughs> and no one else. So cool. <laughs> That's it. What, one of the things that I, I've been wrestling with is what, what is the usefulness of megatrends, right? So we hear a lot about the synod is. And, well, yes and no. Like your church is doing well. Mm-hmm. My church, despite my best efforts, continues. It's actually, it's actually doing not, okay. That's not, good. <laughs> not being plowed into the ground. It's, you know. So, what what do the trends of the synod mean to you and me? Nothing. Nothing. Right. And so, but 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 that colors our perception and and just Christ, Christendom as a whole. Right. Right. The church is in decline. That colors our thinking. But should it? And I don't think it should. Well, so the, the synod's in decline. Well. Okay, Missouri Synod Incorporated is what bringing in. They're not bringing in less money, and that was some of the people posting about money down. Money's actually up. In, interestingly, isn't it? We have money. Yeah, we just don't. I think it's a mission problem. I think we don't know Missouri Synod Incorporated. Why are we here? Right. What's our What's our purpose? And then let's just go get that done. So two things that I I keep all the mega trend stuff away from my church. Um, so it's funny. I've had a couple people be like. Dude, I was watching your Facebook. What's going on with the Synod? <laughs> I even had people go, Dude. Nothing to see here. Now you're that guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> hence, the, hence the... <laughs> exactly. So the, the other thing I, I get is, what's a Synod? And are we in that? <laughs> yes, <laughs> we are. Um, so I, I keep that away because, like you said, I don't want that to color our, our thinking. But... Honestly, that's the real – if you want to talk about what the mission troubles with the synod really is about, what does it mean to me what these megatrends, up, down, left, right, um, what's happening in synod? It, it means that the, those are the last few posts I posted just this morning actually. What does the synod do or contribute? I, you know, What are the benefits? Somebody, somebody said something along those lines of, well, you can't just receive the benefits of synod without – contributing and participating what are the benefits of synod honestly i trying to figure it out <laughs> so once upon a time I, and actually if, if you go back it's kind of a cool story you know you i think it was like 14 churches when when they first were like yeah let's do a thing or whatever missouri ohio and other states yeah but even even before that one cuz there was there was a buffalo there was a Minnesota and a Wisconsin Senate. There, there, there were these things out there. But the idea was um, all of these smaller congregations and relatively new congregations too because they just kind of started this thing. Like when they first started putting churches up and, and expanding, um, it made sense. Let's, let's get these – let's be in communion with each other. Let's, let's be in fellowship with each other, share some resources to send missionaries. Because this church and this church you are know, too small. We can't do it ourselves, yeah. but together we could send a missionary somewhere. Cool. That that makes sense. I go, yeah, that's why synod should exist. So we can pool some resources to do something awesome. It's a little history lesson for your, your listeners, right? The synod was initially founded to do three things. It was pastoral accountability to make sure that your pastor wasn't a heretic to basically keep him in check. It was education. We're going to pool our resources to do schools and seminaries and all that. And then lastly was missionaries. Yeah. And when you look at what the focus of the synod is today, all that's done at the district level. Right. So, I mean, e- education is kind of maybe, maybe not, but we have standalone institutions now that don't need. 
right, $500 from my church and 700 from your church to, to work. And so the question becomes, yeah, like you said, what's the purpose of synod? Um, the seminaries work with the districts to call pastors. All right. So that's not – our pastoral accountability is done actually at the circuit level now. Right. Uh, although we can talk about circuit visitors giving reports on our preaching back to synod and not really sure that how that works with the Eighth Commandment but uh, or what the purpose of that is and how it could be abused. But, um, yeah, what's the purpose of the synod? That's not to say the synod can't serve a valuable purpose or that it's not. But if guys like you and me who are products of the synod and been doing this for 13, 14 years, we should be able to tell you Right now, this is exactly what the sin is doing. This is a good thing. This is what I would – and we don't know. Right. And I think that – so I think what happened is, is pretty simple and, and people have always want to put the blame on current administration, last administration, five administrations. I think it just got two – I think two things coincided. One, it got too big um, because you get you know, 14, 20, 30, 50 churches – uh, we can kind of get our heads around this and like a bigger organization is we're at 6,000 some churches uh, in every state in the union and international as well. Like it's, it's so big that the, the administration to pull it and keep your head around all of it costs more than is worth the, it's, we're not getting a return on investment. We're, we're paying mm-hmm. people to have jobs to help us understand why they have jobs. Like that's this is not it just got too big. That's why um, I, I, we don't really fund missionaries anymore. We fund the system that manages to try and keep us all kind of on the same page, and they're doing it. It, it just doesn't work. It's too big. Is is my point in that? The second one is education changed. Um, I was just talking to a guy yesterday, one of the guys I visit, um, my my favorite shut in visit to do. Brilliant guy, fantastic guy, um, and Parkinson's is an evil, evil whore. I there is there's maybe nothing worse, um, in my opinion. So I'm, I'm sitting talking to this guy, and uh, he was telling me about going to University of Iowa back in the I want to say it was the mid or late fifties, um, somewhere in there. And I he, he said something about tuition. I go, let me ask you, what was it like for for college back in those days? Like could could a family, because I, I kind of know his, his I know him really well actually, but his whole family background, could a blue collar, hardworking family pay for their kid to go to college? Or was it like you had to be rich? And he goes, no, no, I, um, I'd work construction in the summer and my goal, and, and I, I always got it, but my goal is to earn $1,000 in the summer, in the 50s. That's pretty good money. Like he's, he's done a good job. And he goes, tuition, room and board and books – Cost me eight hundred and eighty bucks. So just not not correcting for inflation. Just look at can you work a summer today and pay for a year of college? <laughs> can can you make forty grand this summer? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> no, this is so like just education has changed and the the world changed. The synod can't do that. We, we can't do that. We can get into quality of education too. My dad was telling me he went to Brown back in the 40s. Cool. And uh, yeah, I think he, it was like 50 bucks a semester. <laughs> I mean for, yeah. for, for tuition, room and board more. But, 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 but the difficulty there was they had to write – I mean they didn't have computers, right? Uh-huh. 
millennials, we didn't always have the internet. We didn't always have computers. People used to use like a pen and paper and write things out. And he would, he would tell me on, for his papers, if there was a grammar mistake, even on, I mean, not in an English class, any class, if there was any grammar mistake, you went down a letter grade on the paper. Dude. <laughs> and this is without, this is without spell check, grammar check, without, without being able to type it out and go, no, I want to, I mean, higher education used to be higher education. Now it's high school 2.0. Yeah. And right. So how do we how do we adapt to that? Well, we're not. <laughs> right. Funny side story. Just a couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my son and I don't know how it came up with the conversation, but I said, uh, you know, I grew up without Google. Like I remember when Google started, I was like in college or seminary, but like there was a time before Google. And he goes, how did anybody win an argument? <laughs> dead serious what an interesting insight like that's what google is for so i can go online (laughs) yeah that's what was your answer i said i don't no actually with their fists son with their fists i I did kind of say well that was that's what made it kind of fun is because you could be wrong and still win (laughs) you can have your facts completely off and if you just shout louder or, or more convincing or just get people on your side you win. And he was like, huh. And I was like, yeah, it's, you don't, you don't get to do that anymore. Like, oh, let me Google it. It's, it's great. Anyways, back, back on topic. So I think we got too big and education changed and, um, we're feeling it with, you know, the, all of our universities, all of that is, is essentially disconnected. Like, I don't know if there's funding that comes I mean, surely the the plan isn't that the Synod continues to fund or assist in funding for our Concordia systems. When you can charge thirty to forty thousand dollars for tuition, room, and board, you should be able to make it. Yeah, that's, I mean that's what I colleges mean, that's, do. You, you should be able to make it, right? And I guess my question is: is you know, so we so Selma's no longer a thing. We we had talked we had talked in the green room uh, about. <laughs> In the grainer, right? About um, how would you restructure the Missouri Synod educational apparatus if if you could? And we had talked about would it be better to instead of a bunch of smaller universities all competing with each other? And I understand Grandma built them with her bare hands, and they each have their unique flavor, and 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 they're wonderful, and God's using them. Understand that. Not taking anything away from the, the universities and colleges that are out there. Again. We have to understand what our mission is. If our mission is to reach the world with the gospel of Christ, would it make more sense to pool our resources, seminaries, colleges, sell them all, move to a central location? I would argue Iowa. (laughs) We're surrounded by Concordias, Nebraska to to the left, (laughs) Minnesota to the north, uh, Wisconsin to the up and to the right. (laughs) And then you got Chicago, you got St. Louis, right? So we got Concordias all around us. So we're a good central location. Yeah. And – Make one big university compete D1, go toe-to-toe with the big, give TCU a run for their money, right? Give Notre right. Dame a run for their money and say we want to compete compete at that level. Um, you know, and the graduate school would include a seminary. Would that, would that attract more uh, non-LCMS bubble people to hear the gospel, to participate in our life together – if our goal is really to make Christ known, if our goal in our education system is to crank out church workers, then that's a dumb idea. Yeah, right. 
But if the goal is to reach people with the gospel, there's more people attracted to big D1 schools than there are to small Lutheran colleges that are all competing with each other. Well, and just in general, I mean, think of the advantages of um, having classes on business connected to um, ethics from an LCMS Christian perspective. Uh, think about nursing and um, the the health sciences connected with um, the theology that we can provide on beginning of life, end of life. I mean, it, we would have what you said earlier really kind of struck a chord for me is if we're just trying to crank out church workers, that's a bad idea. It's a super bad idea, especially because a lot of the church worker cookie cutter chunks that we're, we're pushing out, um, are, are maybe not the best ideas. Like I, I am, I'm not opposed to Lutheran schools. And, And when I talk about Lutheran schools, people often think that I've got a bias against them. And I try and remind them, look, my mom and dad, Lutheran school teachers, my dad was my principal my whole life. He's, he's been a principal for 130 years or something. My sister's a Lutheran school teacher. I mean, it's, it's in the blood and, and I'm a system guy all the way through. Um, but parochial schools and the way we do Lutheran schools is, isn't working well. And I, and I think the data is there that there's schools closing, fewer and fewer exist. This is a, so, but we have a system in place to, to punch out Lutheran school teachers for jobs that are going away. This is like, we, we are literally the buggy whip manufacturers and we're not paying attention to the fact that this thing is going away. Like, what are we doing? So to, to get to that point of one giant university and um, trying to diversify and, and bringing the LCMS into all of these other areas, that's the way, not, not teacher schools, not pastor schools. It's, it is a different thing. Equipping Christians for life in the world. Yeah. And, and, and church work is, is a small, a small, yeah, piece of that. Uh, but let, let's equip our people. Let's give them. Let's give them a top tier. No compromises. You are going to be prepared for whoever's hiring. Right. You're also going to be prepared spiritually for the challenges, opportunities, and difficulties that face you out in the big bad world. Right. And you know, what? I often think um, I have these little fantasies. Like, what? What? This is usually in the sauna. <laughs> this is this. This definitely is not going to be on the Living Faith <laughs> podcast. These, it's usually after some mushrooms and, and I've sat in a sauna for a while. I get like these cool visions of what would, like, what would I if my life just went different? Um, if I didn't get married, if I didn't have six kids, which is six too many, um, like, just I would try and, and, and just think of what would be the best thing I would do. And I think to myself, I would be an elder in a church. <laughs> because I think that is, people don't realize how valuable it is to have somebody mm-hmm. um, as an elder. And you're like, or if, if something happened, um, I won the lottery, I don't need to be a pastor anymore. I, I, it's almost more valuable in my mind to be an elder in a church than the pastor in a church. Well, you know this. I'm I mean, close to thinking we have that we have that hill to get over that you don't really believe it because you're being paid to say it, right? And like, but I do believe it. Otherwise, I wouldn't be saying it, right? And if I wanted to get a job that paid more, I'd need to get a different master's degree, but probably could do it. We're not in this for the money kind of thing. Yeah, no. I, I every church needs that elder that, every, and every church has one. That guy yeah. that's been there forever that knows it believes it, is willing to die on a hill for Jesus 
just pick the time and place. Oh, it's such a yeah. Those so there, guys are awesome. There is this thing that is um, like the being at the top of the heap, being the, being the president of something, it, it gives you great power and and it, whatever, whatever. But there's like the other position. You want to be the master sergeant? Yeah, you're like you're you're kind of there. You got and the tattoos, you can, so you you can be the master sergeant. <laughs> haircut, everything. You listen to Seth Hemi. You got your Holy Week haircut. This is good. Once again, bringing up Seth Hemi in this in this conversation. <laughs> He knows why. I had a chat with him. He he texted me after one of you listened to one. He actually listened to one of our podcasts. Nice. He's like, I heard you talked about me. It's like That's I'm softening funny. him up for if we don't get a guy from the sem. I see. This call time, then then Seth is on is on the radar. <laughs> I love the guy. I'd love to have him. I I don't think there's any way he'd want to be my associate. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, Seth. If you want to, if you want your name on the list, let me know. <laughs> But I don't think that's going to happen. But it's, on, but it's on the list. Yeah, but but Duncan put you on the list anyways. You're so. on the list. We need we need you here in Iowa West, Seth. Yeah, Chuck, you too. But for a different reason. There's <laughs> there's something about that, right? You you if you're in that second position, there's things that you can like. There's I have a conflicted relationship with people. Not that's probably not the right way to say it, but like. People love this about me, but then I had to make this hard decision, and they might know that it's right. But it it still pisses them off, and there's just there's that. Where an elder, you know, might be a hundred percent on board with everything I've done, but because they didn't make the decision, they can go to that person and connect with that person and just sympathize with them. So there's there's so much value in having elders um, who get it, who are on board with mission and ministry. Um, but yeah, back back to synod stuff. So you're saying that pastors <laughs> have to make tough decisions. Yes, yes, ugh. and this is this is what's killing me about this conversation on synod is what are the tough decisions that we're making for strategy and investment moving forward? Because I get it, we have to make the tough decisions about selling property, letting schools close, and doing these things. Yes, I have made that type, not on that grand of a scale, but I've made that type of decision. But there has to then be so then now what. And I get nothing that is so now then what. And I'd like to circle back in a very non-sexual way and get back to the uh, – You can make it sexual. I'm OK with that. <laughs> I just I was thinking about what I was going to say and like circle back. Like that just has a – with you sitting across the table, that's, that's just that's, – that's a hard thing to say. Um, to until we know what the mission of the synod is. Now, we're not talking about congregations in the synod. We're talking yeah. about Missouri Synod Incorporated. Yep. Until we until we know what the mission of the Senate is, and I'm sure they have a mission statement somewhere, but the fact that you and I don't know it means functionally they don't have one. They don't have one. Uh, so, what is the mission of the Senate? Because until we know that, we don't know how to line up our resources to achieve what we believe is God's objective for, right. the, for, for Missouri Senate Incorporated. So, I have a and suspicion. that and that is a leadership issue. Yeah. Yes, I have a suspicion. Leaders should be able to clearly articulate the mission. Yeah. What is your mission? We're working on it. We're working on it because we don't, we don't, we don't have, we have a 60 word mission statement at our church. Yeah. The average church mission statement is 18.5. The average corporation mission statement is 13. So ours is nobody knows it. And so I'm bringing up to everyone, like we're functionally operating without a mission statement. So we're talking about tweaking the constitution. This is a smaller scale. There's been talk about tweaking our constitution, this and that and said, guys, time out until we know why God has us here. The constitution is the how to do it. Right. 
we're, we're discussing how to do it, but we don't know what, what it is we should be doing. <laughs> how to do what? Let's do what first <laughs> and then work on the how, right? Let's yeah. let's get these things in line. I think the synod needs to do the same thing. Why are we here? And, and you know, mission statements can change. The synod may realize, you know, today we believe we are here for this purpose, da 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 and then every year we reevaluate that, and it turns out five years later we believe it's it's God has us here for something. That's fine. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a forever mission statement, but we need to know why are we here today, and then make plans accordingly using the resources we have. And we need to be we need to be okay with making big moves. That, as you pointed out, in church leadership, maybe some people aren't going to like that. Yeah, for sure. Whereas in church, there, there's a feeling that it, it, our, our job. If we make everybody happy, the kingdom of God benefits. <laughs> if we make everyone happy, the if kingdom only of we God can make dies. all everybody exactly, exactly. Yeah. So, so the synod needs to get over that, and we need to get over the synod is not always going to give me what I want. Yeah, and that's okay because that's not what they're there for, and we still support them even if they do things that personally wouldn't do. Bruce was on your Bruce Kintz yeah. in Concord. He, I felt bad for him, man. The guy's on there. He jumps into your into your Facebook thing. The guy's got an impossible job. It's pretty tough because he has to, he has too many bosses. Yeah, right. And and so the people chiming in. Well, you didn't make an app that can do X, Y, and Z. And you, I need an app that does this. And I need something over here. And like guys, you know. He's not here to give you specifically what you want. He's running a publishing house. Right. Right. First of all, why are we talking about apps in a publishing house? But anyway, is that the right tool for the app? I don't know. But but cut the guy some slack. Right. And he's got an impossible job. And it's it's made worse, I think, by the it all kind of comes back to mission, and I'm gonna use the word culture of our of our synod, but culture and mission um interrelate because you know, it's your your mission is kind of made up of the bits and pieces. When I <clears throat> so we went through this mission process years ago, and I really feel like this is a, this is a cool place. It's a cool church. It's a, it's a special church. We got it figured out. Um, and part of that is that when we went through that mission and vision process, the way I described it to everybody was God wants us to build something, and He gave us all the parts. But he gave you a part and you a part and you a part. So now my job becomes figuring out what we're building, <clears throat> excuse me, based off of the parts. And I said, so it might be like, yeah, I think we're going to build a car. And I, I'm hoping it's a sports car. You know, I'm hoping it's, it's a big engine and, I, and I'm hoping it's like a muscle car, not like one of those those weird European sports. Cars. I want an American muscle car. And like we start gathering the parts. I'm doing research. I'm talking to people. I'm pulling together information. And I'm looking and like, well, we've got ailerons <laughs> and wings and propellers. Guys, I think we're building a plane. <laughs> like, so it could be right. it could be very different than what because one person might have a, a big engine, be like, oh, it's gonna be a sports car. This is gonna be great. I'm like, I mean it's a big engine because it's a plane. <laughs> so, right. so that's why we're doing this. But that's that's where the leadership's job is to get the see the vision that's kind of scattered amongst the, the bits and pieces. Um and that's that's I I don't feel at all what we're doing. That's I keep saying. That's what I'm missing from the synod is whatever we looking around going. Well, here is what we have. Here are our bits and pieces. These are all the parts that God has has given to us. And man, this is this is what we're gonna build. Let's go build this thing. Let's move forward with it. And all I see is going. Well, that part's broken, so we're gonna throw that one out. You know, that part's broken, so we're gonna throw that one out. Now that part, that part ran out of money, so we're gonna throw that away. That part's worth money. We're gonna sell it. 
Like, we're going to have any parts anymore. <laughs> and you know what we're going to build? Nothing. <laughs> we're going to not build anything. If you don't have parts, you build nothing. God bless Senate. (laughs) I don't know. I don't know really where to go after that. That was kind of depressing. Damn it. (laughs) Well, so. um, But that's a leadership vacuum. It is. It is. I I think it's interesting that the president of Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, I think since its inception. So the person with the best set of leadership skills, administrative skills from the beginning of our synod just happens in every case to have gone through seminary. Right. Uh, really? <laughs> I was at uh, – and, and Bart Day, good guy, right? I'm not – I don't, I don't know him, but – I'm just saying that because I don't want <laughs> – Oh, I agree. He's a great guy. He's a great guy. Thank you. <laughs> but it, it just kind of got me thinking about, you know, how do we do things? I was at the LCEF conference in the fall. Great time in down in New Orleans – Right, made some bad decisions. <laughs> no, which is a great city to do that. <laughs> right? in. No, it was fantastic. Alyssa had never been there, so we're down there living it up. And great town. It was it was a lot of fun. Um, but they announced the new head of LCEF, and it just happened to be some the, the, the person with the best leadership skills for a financial operation just also happens to have graduated from seminary. Mm-hmm. What are the odds? Hundred <laughs> percent in our system. Hundred percent. But again, you're talking about different pieces in terms of resources. Look at the people. We're telling people, and, and numerous examples of this. Until you've been in, through seminary, we don't really care what part you are, right. what, what your part can do. You've been to seminary. We will force you into a piece in the machine that there's a better piece out there for. Yeah. But you went to seminary, so we're going to plug you in. And I think we're really missing out on a lot of the giftedness that God has given the laity. Oh, there's no question. You can't tell me that we don't have a CEO in our synod somewhere that that could do a knock-up job as the president of the synod. Yeah. Why is it necessary that the president – the Missouri Synod is not a church. It's a corporation. Inc. And that's okay. Why, why aren't we looking at people other than clergy to be the CEO of a company? Right. Yeah, it, make, it makes no sense. See, this is again where that does make sense when you've got 14 churches, you know, 20, 30 churches. Because the guy understands mission, he understands how church works, all that. Exactly, right. And and how, how businessy is that organization that is that big? <clears throat> and you find somebody who's a CEO and you go, hey, what should I do? <laughs> and he goes, oh, I just do that. Oh, yeah, sweet. But like when it gets to millions and millions of dollars and thousands of churches and, and this all of this stuff, that's that's terrifying to to say that. Well, it's got to be a clergy. Um, it's got to be, but so I don't, I don't know Matt Harrison from a hole in the wall, right? I know that in, when it comes to they have a lot in common. What <laughs> you do, so <laughs> right? No, I mean, the hole in the wall. I've met him a couple times. No big deal. I'm sure on some things he's a little more to the right than I am. I'm sure at the end of the day he's whatever. He's cool. He's a brother in Christ, but he's tasked with. On the one hand, you're the CEO of this entity. On the other hand, you spend a lot of time preaching, doing devotions, committed to spiritual life stuff. On the other hand, you're a politician running for re-election, going around drumming up support meeting with this group and that group. Do we? Do I? Do you think you might be? And this is not just a him thing, Kishnik. I mean, this is the mm-hmm. whole. This is what being synodical president is. Do you think you're being spread a little bit too thin? 
In other words, if I ever become the CEO of anything, first of all, they're going to fail. <laughs> but also – Something's gone wrong already. But I need to be laser focused on being the CEO, <clears throat> making sure that we achieve – the mission, goals, and objectives of that organization. Sure. I don't need to be running around worrying about getting reelected. I'm probably not going to be preaching a whole lot because mm-hmm. to put sermons together, I, I, I know you're, you're the ex- – it takes time. I just wing them. Right. <laughs> it takes time. You know, and and uh, I, I don't think that that position, the way it's set up, is set up to succeed as the head of an organization, as the head – the CEO. Right. And it went it went politics um, – and I think again, they're asked to do too much. Yeah, and so you spread yourself thin, and you end up. Eh, you need to be laser focused on CEO. Yeah, it, it, when it got at some point, and um, I don't know when it was, but at some point it got too complicated and too big. You know, and may, maybe maybe too big is is not saying it um, right either because it's been big for a while, and I would say that there's been times when it was big and it and it was working. But maybe the the times changed, and 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 that's what made that's that's what took the value out of synod. But regardless, when it doesn't have the the mission and the purpose that that we can articulate, you know that the the schools because our schools are are basically standalone institutions. If the synod, I would say, like if if the rapture happened, but it would only rapture people who work for Synod Inc. <laughs> like if that happened, the the schools would stay open. Seminaries would stay open. Um, I would still have health insurance, retirement plan. Uh, I would still have a church. Disability. <laughs> yeah. So I'd go, what What would I not have anymore? I, I would not have a lot of political nonsense on my Facebook. Like, that's what I would have. <laughs> like, so if, if that happened, if they disappeared overnight, so if, if there's a this vacuum of mission. But your circuit visitor would not have anyone to report to yeah. about your preaching. <laughs> right. This is, this is what, what saying. I love about um, the, the problem is we could find a purpose and mission for the synod, but if you don't, the only thing that it is, because it's not a business, because it doesn't make money, it's not, the only thing it is, is a, a political system. It's just, it's just politics. It's all it is. And I'm I holding knew. out hope that there's like some wonderful life changing. The reason why all the Christians in Africa are like becoming Christian is because of the Senate. Like they're doing something that we don't know about. Oh, I think if they were doing something good, <laughs> you'd know about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure if something was going well, it would be pasted everywhere. Um, I, I think that uh, I, I knew the moment. That, well, I know a moment in time, I should say, when I went, oh, shit. It's, it's Definitely not Living Faith podcast. <laughs> I just knew this was over. It's when Harrison – and I don't know him either and I don't care if he's a good guy or not. I just don't care. Um, maybe he's a great guy. Don't care. <laughs> I, he means nothing to me. This is so sad. Like I, I pray for the guy. I pray that things change. I, I pray these things. But again, if, if they were all raptured, I wouldn't notice I, I think one of my posts was pretty snarky. I'd say I wouldn't notice and, except for the vacuum of selfies of President Harrison going places. <laughs> like Then that would be the first thing I would notice. Like, hey, where is that guy? And then I'd, I'd well, yeah, apparently he got raptured. Um, so what, is, what does he do? I, I'm sure it's good. But when, when President Harrison – I just told you he spread too thin. you got to run yeah. the organization. 
you got to be a preacher, pastor kind of guy, mm-hmm. and then you have to then you also have to run for reelection. And and so there's one. There, I mean, you're telling. I mean, this whole thing about. I mean, this is stupid. The wellness wheel and all that kind of hokey pokey. Like, don't burn yourself out, crap. Right. Right. How do you do that job well? You can't. You're okay. spread too thin. And and so if, if the top of the or, the top of the organization of Missouri Synod Inc., not the Missouri Synod, all the six thousand churches, you're mm-hmm. not. They're not the head. They're the tail. But anyway, it's set up to fail. It's not set up to to succeed for sure, and that means it will fail. Well, your elected your elected leader, all hail, right, <laughs> is given a job where he can't succeed in leading because you're asking him to do things outside of leadership. Yeah. Run for re-election, be a preacher pastor. Oh, and by the way, lead this organization. Yeah. So if he's working, say he's an animal and he's working 60 hours a week and we all say we work 60 hours a week. No one works 60 hours a week. (laughs) (laughs) But so he's putting 20 hours into being the CEO. Name another CEO that works 20 hours a week whose company is doing well. Right. Especially when you're talking about things are broken and in decline, you got to work twice as hard. Yeah. So it's just – it's not set up well. So the <clears> – <throat> before he was elected to his first term, um, he had that flyer or pamphlet or advertisement, whatever it was, it's time. When that started – it started circling Facebook. I went – that's that was my oh shit moment. I went, oh no. And now it's now it's – Straight up campaigning to the masses. Uh, I just, no, no, it's it's over. I mean, it, it probably was over long before Harrison, long before Kishnick, but it was probably campaigning that that happened behind closed doors and people in the know, and there'd be whisperings over here. And a guy like me'd go to the convention, and they'd be like, well, "I know that guy, and I like that guy, and that guy says I should vote for that guy, so that's what I'm going to do." Like that's that's the kind of campaigning. But this. This was – it came across Facebook. It came across internet websites. It, it just came almost like, oh, we're, we're just pressing out and campaigning. So it's just politics now. Cool. I belong to a political synod, a political system that <clears> – yay. <throat> and that's OK if there's an articulated mission right? and we know what we're shooting for and we know whether or not we've hit the target. The question is I wouldn't know – is the synod doing a good job? At what? I don't know. I don't know what target we're trying to hit. Yeah. Tell me what target we're trying to hit and, and, and we'll jump in and help out. I don't know what target we're, we're shooting at. Did you know? And this is where – so stuff that does impact your life as a pastor at Living Faith, right? Half the money that you give to district goes on to synod. That's why we don't give to district. Unky Steve's not going to like that. Oh no, Unky Steven, I've had conversations on it and with Mark Gherkin and Roger Curtis and I've had a, a lot of conversations. You should give to district. We give directly. So I, I So have, half of your offerings do not end up going to Synod. Right. I was floored when I heard that. Because right. I'm thinking, wow, my first thought wasn't good. Look at all the stuff Synod can do. My first thought was, wow, district could really, if they had those extra resources, imagine what they could do. And that's why we give directly to the district. So that means that if, if you flip through the Lutheran Witness or wherever wherever they publish how much the church gives, we're a big fat goose egg. But I've, I've had this conversation, not a joke, probably 15 or 20 times in the last five years. And 
I am actually of of the mind and the opinion. No, okay, I, I can live with that. I don't like it, but I can live with it. My elders, who the the only people who kind of know some of this inside baseball stuff with synod, like my congregation doesn't follow these things, but the the elders do. They're like, no, the council and and the treasurer didn't really know about it, so they 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 see that zero and they they get a little bit of heartburn about it. And then they they do some research, talk to our elders, ask why we don't do that, and then they go, oh, okay. So like, I w- it's not me that is the hang up of sending money on to the district, which then half of that would go to the synod. This congregation is like, no, we're not. I'm not supporting politics. I'm not supporting a synod that doesn't do anything that it can articulate as a value to this congregation. And they see it from the the standpoint of. We are we work hard to use our dollars well. Why would we give a pile of that to people who don't? Like we when we give money, so we we send out ten percent of all of our offerings go out our door. Some of it takes uh, missionaries to Africa, um, down to Texas for uh, the Houston rebuild thing we just did. Uh, we support food banks. We support uh, Hope Ministry is a homeless shelter downtown, Agape Pregnancy Crisis Pregnancy Center, Christian Place, um, Joshua Christian Academy downtown, which is a cool school that's literally for um, the the edges, the margins of inner city kids in Des Moines to get to a cool school. It's, it's not LCMS, oh no. But we don't just send them a check. We send elders with the check, and they sit and they talk to them, and they find out because we want to know, like, what's going on? We're not going to fund something that sucks. So at my last church, right, I, we, I saw we were giving X number of dollars to district and did the same thing, said, well, I know the rest of our money, where it's going and what it's doing. And I want to be able to tell our church, your church is a good investment, mm-hmm. right? You inve- we are good managers of money. We are effective at ministry and mission with the resources we've been given. Finances, finances is one of them. And so we actually asked the district, come in and tell us why we should give to you, right? And, mm-hmm. and it was interesting. They were like, thank you. And they came in, they brought like three people came in. We're like, we didn't want to take that much of your time. We just wanted one like, but they came and they gave a knockup presentation on this is where your money goes. This is what we're doing. This is, if we had more, we would do this. If we had less, we'd cut this. I'm like, wow, you guys are a good investment. And it was really neat to be able to go to the church and say, we should invest in the district. Right, right. Because this is what they're doing. You feel good about it instead of like, here's the LCMS tax. Yeah. Right. So- hundred percent with where you're at. I, I'm not saying you've convinced me. I think, I think the Synod, if they could articulate a, you're close though, about th- they're not needed. Yeah. I think if they can't articulate their mission and, and lay out logical, this is how we get there. I don't think they're a good investment. Right. Right. So now <clears throat> kind of getting back to where, part of where we started, this is, where do we invest in district? Well, the way I do this is I, I, I know a couple of people and I ask some questions like, what is going on in the district that um, needs some funding? What's going on in the district? Like if, if, if uh, and, and I'm district people, not, not just some Joe Blow guy, pastor somewhere. I, I talk to district people and say, if you were gonna, where would you? And they're, they're pretty high up on that district ladder rung and they go, well, you know, We've got this guy, um, Lincoln Guerrero, great guy. Um, he is um, 
Puerto Rico? I don't remember where he's from originally. It's your story. Yeah. I know Lincoln. Yeah, yeah. He's doing... <laughs> Great guy. Does, does yeah. Hispanic... Hispanic ministry. Right. Because, <laughs> again, I'm coming full circle on you. I know. That's where we send our money. <laughs> to the brown people. <laughs> to the brown... I know. Oh, I wish that I could be less of a hypocrite piece of shit. <laughs> wish, dude. I... It's no. hard. It's hard to be... <laughs> Hard man, <laughs> I wish I wasn't such a dick, but I am. Okay, anyways. But Lincoln's doing good stuff. I mean, as he much really as like is. that's not a good model for doing kingdom work. What Lincoln's doing is working. It is, and a right? big and piece of that is that he is. Um, he, so he is doing a lot of ESL, mm-hmm. and he's connecting to a, a, a community. Um, so here's inside baseball stuff for Iowa. We have uh, of high population, but it's very transient of um, Latin, uh, Hispanic, primarily from Mexico population because of all of the cutting up of the pigs. Um, so it's a couple of times a year. There's like these huge layoffs. Like they, they bring in piles of pigs and a bunch of migrant workers. I'm going to guess some of them are documented and some of them are not. Um, I may know a few. They, they just kind of swing up. And, and cut up pigs. They cut for the a while. pigs here, and then they go cut the pigs somewhere else, or they go back. to Yeah, the- but like there, there'll be these big waves of cutting lots of pigs, and so they're all here. And then now we're not cutting pigs, so they all get laid off, and they go somewhere else. Um, and and Lincoln connects with a bunch of that group. I mean, it's just a it's a cool thing. It's a mm-hmm. he's doing sure. a great job. It's a but they can't afford to pay his salary, so we need to step in. And, and he's do not. That. They're not planting a Hispanic church. I mean, he's, he's part of Shepherd of the Valley, and so it, it is really – they've called him to kind of do the research to, to – So you're giving money to smiling Dave Dalkey. Yeah. I like that guy. He smiles a lot. <laughs> he has a nickname for our uh, for our church planner. <laughs> oh, do I, I want to know. Is it – can you say it? Please. Iron nipples. <laughs> Why? You'll have to ask Dave. Why? I guess one day, Aaron, it was cold out. I don't know. It was before I got here. Donkey, what's wrong with that guy? He smiles a lot. He's happy. That he does. Make, that should make you angry. And he's, he smiles while he's not happy. It's the weirdest thing. If he says something that is upsetting, he's still smiling. Maybe I could slap that smile right off his face. You think so? I bet I could. You could stop giving him money. <laughs> No, so 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 the district is valuable. I think. Yep. I mean, I, I you know working with them in coordination with our church plant, and yeah. they're doing good stuff, and they are a good investment. But I understand why they're there, right? And, and not that I can quote their mission statement, but I, I understand that they are there to help congregations maximize their ministry and mission in the district, mm-hmm. and and to support missionaries and stuff like that. I understand that. They're on our team. They sort of work for us. Oh, I I I love our district. It's I mean, a, I think our district, district busts its ass to work for us. They really do. I love district. They have very valuable. Yeah, I put your name on the list for district officials at the convention. You should <laughs> probably go. Are you going to go to the convention? Oh yeah. Oh. Why would I not? We're doing a confirmation retreat that <laughs> trip to DC that week. I'm not going to be there. I hope nothing passes by like one vote. (laughs) 
Do you know if, that if nothing passes by one vote or gets down by one vote, then it was a smart decision not to be there. So you haven't been to a convention with us yet, have you? No, I haven't. Okay, so I'm the guy every year. I vote no on everything. <laughs> I do. It's it's fantastic because because um, nothing ever gets voted down by one vote. Well, and I think almost nothing ever gets voted down, and <clears throat> that that sounds like a bad thing, but it really isn't. the The point being. Um, our district is really good. Iowa District West is phenomenal. So, Every, y'all listening, if you get a call to an Iowa District West church, like it's really good. Iowa East, I would it. not recommend. <laughs> but Iowa West is honestly. So the guys who do the work um, to to put forth these resolutions have it so buttoned up. It's a no-brainer every time, and and there's no bullshit. Nobody nobody brings a stupid resolution. No nobody. There's just. So, Nothing from the floor. Yeah. Right. So, for instance, <laughs> this last – it wasn't a convention, um, but the you last did. pastor's conference, they did some work ahead of time. Were you there when I voted no on that? It was it was fantastic. So so there's like a, a panel of like six guys did a ton of work on restructuring our um, circuits. And the whole point of all of this was to get all of this work done and just vote on like a, a pre-vote so that when we get to convention, we can just – we've all been through it. We can kind of put the resolution up and bang it out. And we don't have to – let's do it now in, in our conference so the convention can go quick and we can go drink beer. Like it, I love this. I love this district. <clears throat> so these guys have done – Maybe months of work. Good and it's guys. Perfect. Good guys. There's a ton of questions from the floor. All of the questions are answered well. Everybody is satisfied. They've been commended for their work. Um, they vote to to bring this onto the convention as is, and everybody says yay. All opposed. Just me yelling out no. <laughs> <laughs> what? And it was John Connor who was doing the vote, and he. His head snaps around and he because he was like, What? And he looks at me and he goes, Ah, it's Luke. That's <laughs> <laughs> <was> so great. <laughs> and I made sure to talk to the guy afterwards and be like, i I want you to know I was just kidding. I mean that you guys knocked it out of the park and obviously, but I somebody's gotta vote no. <laughs> Someone. <laughs> so I vote no on everything. <laughs> Even it's like to to encourage minute like so you can orphans dumb and ones. widows yeah right. no I vote no on those no no orphans and widows yeah, like because come on <clears throat> do we do we need a resolution to support orphans and widows do we need that Ooh, that's got to be in the minutes I'm voting no on that <laughs> it's pretty fun <laughs> it's gonna be great when you when you run when you, when when you change when you need to the head and change you run for office and your opponent does oppo research he voted no for orphans and widows <laughs> danger yeah. dangerous well what's dangerous nice man. is that our convention we use the electronic voting thing so nobody can tell it's me but everybody knows like the ones who come back with one note every head turns around people are looking like where's Luke knock it off You're just there with the button <laughs> it's gonna be no it's gonna be no um, but it, so that's my my thought on this is that simple. We so I have a question about Iowa West and East. Not to interrupt you. Oh, go ahead. Because the line on that is uh, is thirty five, right? North South. And then there's a couple exceptions because we're looking at re, at relocating down the road. Okay. And some of the places we're relocating would be technically in Iowa District East. That wouldn't be a problem. You'd you'd, you'd stay in West. You got to closer to the mic, by the way. You're probably disappearing right now. Hello. I'm, I'm stretching. That's <laughs> a lot of work sitting so here drinking really, coffee. Drinking coffee and talking. Um, yeah, so we may relocate to Iowa to take some territory. They may have to carve out just another 
there's a couple spots like that where it's just a church on this side of the road that's east or on this side of the road that's west. Um, but attention, St. Paul people, we have not made a decision about this. <laughs> we have not agenda, and we may not do anything. Yeah, but, it, but we might. We we did that. We went through that process here oh, about a year and a half ago of getting the value of our property and then looking. There's a, an empty grocery store right up the road here. It would be a fantastic spot for a church, um, but structural, blah, 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 that kind of stuff. But you got to do the research. <clears throat> but yeah, everybody was nervous. How much could you get for this piece of land? How much would the um, Presbyterians pay for it? <clears throat> Man. Sorry, everybody. I'm <clears throat> coughing in your ears. <clears throat> um, valuation, I think, was $1.4 I think you get on the market. How many acres here? Uh, just shy of nine. Wow. Yeah, we got dirt. And only 1.4. Yeah. Yeah, and it, it probably... How much of that is land and how much is bricks and mortar? You can stop land. listening now. It's No, it's all land. This, yeah. this, the churches don't have a lot of purpose outside of being a church. It's kind of the thing they are. You can turn this into a nice dental office. <laughs> when I come in, except for the yeah, you, the, the second doors <laughs> yes. that you come in at your church, it's like somebody took like a it's like a wood table or like a like a sheet of plywood and <laughs> Just like cut it in half. And here's your door, right? So yeah. you, you need to work on the front door. I'm uh, not I'm not impressed. That's wedges. I'd leave it wedged open so people don't look at it. <laughs> Just keep moving. <laughs> it's like our front door sticks, so I'm not, not judging. It's no judgment. Just saying. No, for synod. Here's what we do. How do you fix it? Synod goes away, and it's just districts. It's okay. that easy. All right. But I... How will we have a national voice for confessional Lutheranism? Yeah, just go to their website. <laughs> <laughs> so you're saying Synod becomes a website? Pretty much. Like, we, we need... We need very little, <laughs> right? It's communication. Uh, all 30 of you got replaced by a website. Yeah, it's just a hub. It's just a hub. But I, I, I fear that what... So do we still have conventions? No. We get together and say, so what happens when one district excommunicates the other? Well, then they, they just... I See, I don't would think... You, would you also... Please, I will agree with you on this. If in this transition, you get rid of uh, SELC and the English district. Oh, I, actually, I think they're the model. No, absolutely. No, no. <laughs> I have to go. That's, you do not, I'll vote no. <laughs> but th- that's the idea is that so your your synod, your 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 walking together becomes districts. Mm-hmm. And so uh, maybe Wyoming district doesn't like Iowa West. And so. So we're fight, we fight for Nebraska. Well, they just wouldn't be in fellowship with each other. But what will happen? Something right, exactly. <laughs> like, it's cool. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you, they wouldn't take communion with us, but they won't anyways. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> what? I get no loss, right? Well, they would never take a call to Iowa District West, which they currently won't. So the seminary, cool. so seminary ordains. A seminary certifies local congregations ordain, and then if if um, local so, congregations or districts. Um, yeah, I, yeah, districts, I guess. So you'd have kind of like concealed carry. You'd have reciprocity. If you're ordained yeah. Iowa West, then then Minnesota South says you're good. Nebraska says you're good. Right. Eastern District says you're good. And and maybe you could even do something like so. You've got um, I, I know Minnesota a little bit. Uh, so it's Minnesota North, Minnesota South. They're a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Um, they mm-hmm. don't always play nicely with each other. They right. think they're so maybe um, they set it up on a on a case by case basis. So if a church extends a call to a guy 
and he's like from north and extends a call to a pastor from Minnesota South, there's an interview. The district president of Minnesota North and a couple guys talk to this dude and go, okay, we can clear him. He, he can come in or nope, that guy's a jerk. You can't, you can't be in our, you can't play in our game box. Fine. It's, it's, it's so not complicated. It's just synod goes away and the districts manage the relationships. And it, and it, that could be really fluid. It, it could be that there's a 10 year period where, um, Iowa West is in full fellowship altar and pulpit with Iowa East and then 10 years where we're not. Okay. Cool. If you get rid of English and SELC. <laughs> well, but here's here's where things start to get real wonky. What if what if Iowa West is out of fellowship with Iowa East? I'm going to cut you off. Yeah. And we plant a church in Iowa East. Oh, that's actually where I was going. <laughs> See, yeah. That's where it gets really wonky is can Iowa District West plant a church in Iowa District East? That's, that is it. Why is that a synodical issue? That's an issue of Iowa West and Iowa East. And so we have some territory fighting and there's some – now we're not in fellowship anymore and they're so sad. <laughs> like it – I think it's OK. I think district levels and – That the confusion, that the limited confusion that that would cause is not worth the expense of synod. Right. It is and it, or it isn't worth that and it's not hard to, to figure out and I think it's okay for everybody to play in their own sandbox. Um, we've got districts so we don't need to work on boundaries. We've got seminaries that, that – Which is why you need to get rid of SELC and this <laughs> district. Yeah, I'm not – be, No, simply because they're the district that you join when you're pouting, when you don't get what you want, <laughs> right? Kind of, yeah. Yeah, no, I, and I don't, I, I don't feel strongly about those two non-geographic districts. But back to um, what does the Synod do? I have I have a, a, a suspicion that they are trying to redefine the mission. Here's, here's what Synod is becoming. Um, national politics, because where are we starting to invest? Where are new things happening? Washington, D.C., with this religious liberty, this thing. So a voice there, and then to be the hand slapper, to be the one who... Uh, assists in pulling the trigger on this is a bad boy. So we're going to go Cloa now. Well, Cloa and oh, we're fine. Cloa and um, what was the guy from Valpo that they they popped like a year or two years ago? Um, they finally got him to quit and yeah. resign. Yeah. Um, it just becomes this. So they there is something to fight over. Because I, so I was talking to. Our buddy, um, do you know Mark Burkholz? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Groundhog's Day. <laughs> God, I miss that guy. He was, he's funny. Yeah. I mean, so he and I, you are, and him are pretty close. Yeah, I like him. He's a yeah, great he's, guy. He's smarter than you. He's smarter than almost everybody. <laughs> he's a pretty smart kid. <laughs> yeah, like he's he's read his books. Yeah, and, and you no, could beat him up though. I could, for sure. I could choke him out. That that wouldn't that wouldn't take much. Anaconda or rear naked? Oh, with him, I'd just, just be rear naked. Quick and fast, I take his back. I do a quick duck under, sweep the legs, choke him out. It wouldn't, it wouldn't last long. I wouldn't hit the guy. I he's like kind of lanky though. The body triangle would be tough because he's he's long. I wouldn't need to. I would. You just yeah. <laughs> I love you, Burkholz, but you got to hit the weights. Choked dude. out. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta got hit the weights, bro. <laughs> bro, do you even lift? You're like, no, I read books. <laughs> All but right. That's, you you wouldn't punch him though. You wouldn't hurt him. No, I like him. You just put him to sleep. I put him to sleep. 
Who would you punch? <laughs> oh, that's a long list. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to that someday. <laughs> but uh, um, a question you won't answer. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> list of people I would hit. Um, so. Bert Goltz and I were, were kind of talking. I said, man, I, I don't know what's going to happen. I said, I, I'm not sure in 10 years we have a synod. And um, his point – so he and I – I should also say we are very different. Um, so I am – if I am to the left, he is to the right. And and some would argue that I am way left. I don't think I am. Some would argue that he's way right. I don't think he is. But we're very different. Who's arguing about the politics of Mark Burkholz and Luke Tim? Nobody's arguing. Nobody's nope. <laughs> saying anything. Yeah, that, saying. yeah, that's true. I'm just an idiot. <laughs> Quit no, yammering. Right, right. So, so you and him coming yeah. from different, and I coming from different <laughs> places. Yeah. And I said, you know, I but I'm good guy. Word, it's going. You go guys away. can get along, even though you don't agree on everything. We get along great. That's weird. I got I got a bunch of friends like that. There's a there's a guy in our district, um, Chad Dietrich. Mm-hmm. Uh, great guy. Love him to death, and he and I are so. I mean, he is far confessional, right? All of that. Every convention, every conference, we end up drinking whiskey and smoking. I mean, that's just the way it is. He smokes you'd, a pipe. You'd armbar him. So, like, if you don't tap, it's going to hurt. No, I like him too. Really? Okay. I do like Chad. It's okay. funny. Every year, people see us walk out to have a cigarette or a. I. He doesn't smoke cigarettes. He smokes cigars. He's a. He's a good Lutheran. I don't smoke, so. He never has a cigar for me. Chad, you never have a cigar for me, by the way. Um, Beware of the Bring something it's coming. for me to smoke. Coming. Um, but people look at us like we're crazy because we go hang out and talk for like two hours. And I, He's a great guy. And he, and a couple other guys in our district, same way. Um, anyways, I said, I'm worried 10 years, Synod's not going to be here. And he, he's like, well, I, I don't think that's going to happen. And um, partly it's because there's always going to be as long as there's something to fight over. And I went, oh, the, he's got it. He's right. If there's something to fight over. Let me tell you why he's wrong. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Having thought about it for two and a half seconds. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe you've got a better idea than him. <laughs> no, I, 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 think, I think what causes the synod to go away, if it goes away, is districts deciding we're not going to give you money. Because what would make the, the synod go away? No money. But as long as there's something to fight over, you're right. Then there's a reason to run for office to get power so so my guy wins. But if there's no money, no money, no power. And if the districts stop their offerings to synod, make them conditional or just draw them back a little, you're you're choking it out. But it's, I see – I think that's the problem right there is, is that the one thing to fight over, the one thing that remains um, – I'm going to have to sign a signature for a guy. So you keep talking. <laughs> While Luke Tim excuses himself uh, – Right. So, so if, 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 if there is no money, then even though the constitution of the LCMS requires that there be an LCMS, they can't pay their people. They can't pay to get anything done. It literally, like you're saying, it just goes away. Right. But I, but this is why I think this is my, why I have this suspicion that they're trying to develop the hand slap. Which it's the it's the it's the listening to your sermons. Well, the, the hand slap is um, so districts say I don't think we need to fund a synod anymore because it's and now the synod goes. Excuse me, Mister District President and other execs. Um, your name has been submitted as somebody who you're needs, under review. Yes, <laughs> need reeducation. <laughs> there it is. The beatings will continue until morale improves. But if I'm a DP, right, and, and, and 
I don't know most or some DPs, it's your last call before you re- sail off into the sunset. I don't care. What are you going to do? You're right. I'm never going to take a call. You, you, you unrostered me. Congratulations. You're still not getting money. Right. I, that, it, that will take some bold, courageous leaders in the districts. Or just stubborn mules. Such as, such as yourself. (laughs) Oh yeah. Right. So, so no, and, and, and would that be a good thing? I mean, so, so I'm a DP, right? God, the worst job ever. Truly. I mean, seriously. So we pray for them and it's a terrible job, right? Because you have to go into churches and say, I think you should close. And it should be noted that I love our district president because I love him. You love our district president because you have to. (laughs) Because he is my wife's uncle. (laughs) Yeah. You but should I, never have taken the call here. <laughs> That's terrible. What were you thinking? <laughs> to do podcasts with Luke Tim. It seemed like a good idea at the time. Now I'm just not – don't have time to write an Easter sermon. Um, we'll send him over here. It's no problem. The um, If I'm a DP, right, and I'm looking at my budget and I have $10 million coming in from churches, whatever my whatever my budget is, and I'm looking at that going – as my call is to further God's kingdom, right? My goal is the mission of God. My goal is to bring people to Christ, nurture them in their faith, encourage other Christians to, to tell people that they're loved and forgiven, right? So, and I'm looking at the money coming in. Could I in good faith say I should send half of that on to synod? It becomes a matter of conscience at that point. Yeah. That no, in good conscience, I cannot say, I mean, again, just, I mean, I don't know whether it should or it shouldn't, but I think this is where the synod goes away is if you have DPs honestly looking at their budget and the call that they've received from the district to be the DP going, as a matter of stewardship, I can't pass this money on. We can do a better job with it here. Right. And those good things that the Senate is doing, I can fund directly out of our budget without paying for the overhead. It dawns on me, as as you were saying that, it's the money in the politics. I mean, how many times do we say our our country's political system is too overly affected by the money in the system. And if you take the money out, there's less incentive to have the system. Right. So here's here's an interesting – So one of my solutions for the country, because, again, I know everything, would be – You went to seminary. <laughs> if it opens the door to every position in the Senate, it should open the position to every leader, everywhere else. I'm obviously qualified. Um, so if, if you just were to put limits on what people are able to make, the, the dollars they're able to actually have, that our country's politics change dramatically. Like if you just capped everybody and said, all right, um, every senator will will be worth $4 million. That's it. No more, no less. The rest of your life, people who are you know multi-multi-millionaires already be like, I have to give up money to become a senator? I don't want to do that. Cool. <laughs> You're more you're more into money than running a country well. Cool. Go get more more money. Don't run our country. <laughs> Stay away. Just pick people out of the phone book. Yeah. So what if what if um, th- that was how how synod worked to an extent where we well, just take all the money out. Just take all of the money out and let the districts use it, send it. And it really comes back to here. We could run our synod with basically a hub. a a complicated website. A website. It really could. Sure. Sure. Jeez. <laughs> oh, this is sad. It, would there be a value in having a couple of employees of Synod to – Website maintenance. 
the janitor, the website maintenance guy. <laughs> Babysit the servers. <laughs> well, and then, the, and then the guy that does act as the mouthpiece. Yeah. Just articulating what all these districts believe. Yeah. It's kind of, uh, kind of like For a – whoever is listening to that. Like a I communication think. guy. Um, because it would also be – so kind of back to the original post on Facebook that blew up, bro. Um, somebody to say – you know, Selma says, hey, hey, we're, uh, things aren't bad. That gets communicated and, and that becomes a major piece of the website. It gets it gets highlighted on the website. So there is some administration and, you know, why Selma and not this or why this and not that. But again, a lot of that, if the communities and the congregations are just active and, and organizing on a district level, districts can do that. But then the Southern District, because that's where Selma's in, would, would articulate that to the other districts. You actually wouldn't need – as long as, the, as long as the districts communicate, they don't need to agree with it, but they communicate with each other. Right. Hey, we have we we need help down here. Yeah, sure. I mean, Louisiana, right? Katrina, right? So they they would say, hey, we're underwater. Send yeah stuff, people, whatever. Right. It's kind of so. It, the, here's a good one: is Houston's because we just had a team down in Houston um, working down there, and we're going to be sending more teams because that's still a mess. So Houston, the the Texas district. Funds go to the Texas Texas District. Sorry about that. You paid to talk, right? <laughs> yeah, not not well and not not much. Um, but they <laughs> so people sent money to the synod to help Houston. So the money goes to the synod, and then they send it to the Texas District. Right. Why don't we just change the address on the money? <laughs> Why is this complicated? <laughs> and I, I, I don't think that there is any shenanigans going on with synod keeping money. I, I don't think no, no don't think that's happening. Right. So I want to make that clear. I'm not making some kind of accusation that I send money to the for Hurricane Harvey and synod kept it. It's not UNICEF. Yeah, right. <laughs> or the Red Cross or all. So fine, but why? Why would we need to do that? Did I need the synod to tell me? That a hurricane hit Houston? <laughs> like I was, you know, watching CNN and missed that somehow. <laughs> like, but then I got this email from Matt Harrison. I was like, oh, shit, I should send some money. <laughs> like, <laughs> but you no, know, you knew it happened. You didn't know what to do. The yeah. city's underwater. What do I do? <laughs> I'll send them buckets. Good thing. Good thing. The Senate told me what to do. Right. I would have no clue that money could be useful. Yeah. And then and to coordinate a team to go down there was all Texas district. So And they did a great job. They're doing a great job. Well, and sometimes the best way to go about that, because we did this with Katrina, is, is partly not even with the district, but the local congregation. It, what does your church need? Yeah. We're going to work with your church. You tell us what you need, and we're going to do what we can to provide it for you. You want us to stay the hell out because you, we're in the way, and mm-hmm. and you know we're fine. We'll just send money. You want us to send blankets. You want us to send people. You tell us. Even even break it down even further. Just the local congregations. Well, that's what the district does, and it's it's cool. So the district goes. Here are the the spots that are the the so the those congregations. The district president. The, the district in general goes. Well, here's here's really bad. Here's bad, and here's okay. And so, really bad needs this. Sort of bad needs this. Okay, is a place to go, and they host us. Bring your cot. Yeah, and then we go and, and work. That's I mean Katrina. That's what we did, it's right? So fantastic. It, was, it was great. Um, right. Why did why did the synod? Why did we need to photo mail it twice? Photo op. <laughs> there is that. Some good, great selfies. 
but again, <clears throat> I could have done that. And and it, I think yet again, kind of circles back to probably too big, um, but definitely times have changed because there surely was a time when I couldn't know where to go in Houston. I needed a, a central hub. I needed people to go and to find and to communicate. But now, I mean, their website, if, if you go to the, the website that we used, it was brilliant. Like you, you fill out some information and somebody from Texas calls you and then you have a conversation, send some emails, go to Texas. It was great. But again, before the internet, before the, right, the technological right. tools that we have today, I can see Synod would, would be required to do such a thing. But I, I can't imagine – why it is helpful for us all to send money to St. Louis so they can package it up and send that money then down to Houston. That just seems dumb. But let's do, not do that anymore. Do you want to talk about Kaloa? I, sure. I don't know a lot about it. I don't know either, but that's not going to stop <clears throat> us from talking about it. <laughs> well, I can – For 10 minutes, 10 minutes, I, it's Holy Week. So what? I, I don't understand this. Okay, I have – I do have a bone to pick with pastors out there. Every pastor who says, oh, it's Holy Week, so I'm really busy. No, you're lazy. You're a lazy asshole because you should have been busy for the last four weeks. In the middle of Lent. Yes, which you should have had done before Lent started. In Advent. Right, which you should have had done before the fall began. I've got next year almost completely mapped out today. That doesn't mean it's going to be good. <laughs> no, it almost guarantees it. <laughs> it's not going to be great. But yeah, yeah, get to work. Get to work, pastors. What are you doing? Busy in Holy Week. If your Easter sermon hasn't been done for two weeks, there's something wrong with you. Should we need prep for Easter? I mean, I'm thinking like I should be able to get up and talk for 15 minutes about the resurrection like off the cuff. Or really maybe is this the right job? <laughs> The there resurrection. Uh, so I looked up the word resurrection in the dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we should be able to – and I've wanted to do that, right? To be like, just get up and talk about the re- – you know this stuff. Just right. get up and talk about it. Right. Well, but, the, then, but then what if, what if – like, I don't know. What if you get scared? <laughs> <laughs> you stumble. Ah, something about – God, what was his name again? Ah, it's on the tip of my tongue. And it's a 6 o'clock service, <laughs> right? The 6 a.m. service. Yeah. St. Paul. No, we're not. The 6 a.m. service is a bad idea. <laughs> we don't it's do a one. bad idea. It's a very bad idea. We did one once. It's a terrible idea. We have to didn't. wake up at like 4 o'clock. You know what's funny? Should so we- we're like a, a pretty progressive. We don't have an organ. We don't do traditional music very much. Easter is one of those times we do a few traditional hymns. But be, we, we are so packed on Easter. I tried to do a, a sunrise traditional service thinking for those in our community who do kind of miss some traditional. They're, they're not up at 6. Well, here, the, where they are. Here's here's what I was shooting for. If I can pull 25% of people, so it wouldn't be a full worship service, but just if I can pull some people over to an early traditional pressure, worship service. Pressure release. Pressure kind of. release. That's exactly what I was thinking. You know what happened? People came to six that service. It, no, 6 o'clock was it, – it, at in the morning after that service, I went, that worked perfectly. And then all of those people came it's back. Day to date. <laughs> like no 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 they're like well we just love the, the contemporary music thank love- you for padding our stats which we send to the same <laughs> right? but but i was like no that's you missed the point <laughs> like the point was you're supposed I, to leave you're supposed to leave and i articulated it clearly to everybody i said so this way we will have more space in the other services 
And people are like, cool, I'm going to go to both. But yeah, cool. That's a great idea. No, no you, you go to both. It doesn't work. Did you take an offering on Good Friday? Oh, yeah. Okay. Why would you not? You profit off of Jesus' death. Like, that's all I do. <laughs> <laughs> Have you not noticed how church works? <laughs> profit off of Jesus' death. You know what I do? It's our I, one. Sir, I'm going to brag about St. Paul. If you want to come to a church, it's not all about money all the time. We are not all about money on Good Friday. Sunday, The sure. rest of the time, yes. You got to pay for the resurrection. But no, I don't know. I Yeah, I was just curious because Alyssa and I were talking about it and said, no, we're not doing an offering Good Friday. And we were like, should we? Like, you know, there's just something about that doesn't, eh, tenebrae. Like we interrupt the somber mood and the oh. darkening sanctuary to, we're going to turn the lights back on so you can right. find your. We do it. Um, quarters and dimes. So we we have flipped around the service in general. So the service starts with dark and gets light. <laughs> Obviously. No, but we start with a like a message and some stuff and some prayers and an offering and then we kind of get into the descending darkness. We kind of do the the stages of the cross kind of like a tenebrae service. It's it's good. Speaking of stations of the cross, did you hear the pope got rid of hell? <laughs> did you see this? No. Apparently he gave an interview to some whatever and he said there's no he's an annihilationist. He just believes that the people that go to hell just poof, they're gone. Well, that would be convenient. Right? He would be agreeing with Jehovah's Witness in the Seventh day Adventist. Yeah. It's interesting. That is interesting. If Ooh. you wanna if you wanna have fun, Facebook group Regina and no no no, no jokes. <laughs> say, say again? <laughs> right, right? It, so I, I joined it's a I super... don't think I wanna Google that. <laughs> Because I'm going to get it, like, Google's going to be, did you mean? Spell check, right. <laughs> it's this ultra-conservative Catholic, like, the Latin mass kind of people. <laughs> and they're fun because they hate the Pope. <laughs> Regina. And uh, so I've been messing with them. You need to go on there. You'll have fun with it. <laughs> I can't, I can't stop thinking about Regina. <laughs> oh. Anyway, the Pope doesn't believe in hell and Regina. He does believe in Regina's, though, right? <laughs> it's not that you're laughing; it's that you have this, this high-pitched little giggle. Can't stop it, so great. <laughs> no, actually, they, they haven't believed in Regina's for centuries. <laughs> now that I think about it, all right, pull it together, pull it together. Cloa, Cloa, that's it. I was actually <laughs> thinking, what were we gonna? Three so. minutes and 40 <clears throat> seconds on Cloa. All right. Because I, I know nothing other than he wrote something that some people didn't like and they really didn't like it. And I, now he's not at the seminary. And I believe where it started was um, he said something in Germany <laughs> and and somebody it, – it got out somewhere that – well, I don't think that was quite right. And it had to do so with – So Cloa was a professor at the St. Louis Seminary and he's into um, – He's a Greek te- nerd. Text criticism. Yeah. He's a super-duper Greek nerd. Um, and I was one of my favorite professors. I love the guy. He, he likes to bike a lot. He does. And he likes to drink wine. Um, he's smart, but just incredibly intelligent, great theologian. I don't really know exactly what he was saying. I tried to follow some of the debate. Um, it seemed to me like he was simply saying something about, um, the manuscripts that we have, um, we cannot say that that they are a hundred percent autograph. They're they're just not the original. And it's it, when I read what he wrote. And therefore, the manuscripts could have errors. 
which we believe. We, we believe, we don't believe the Bible fell out of heaven. <laughs> we believe yeah. that the original autographs, the original things that Moses wrote, that Luke wrote, that's the inspired and errant infallible stuff. Yeah. What we have are copies of the, and not like they didn't have photocopies back in the, so right. you have people trying to copy what's there. But if you've ever tried to type out, like you have the Bible and you type out on your computer, like you're going to get some words wrong. Chloe is saying it's possible that some of the manuscripts that we have today, based on the originals, were here and there very few, miscopied. Right. There's nothing weird about that. We've known that forever. And I, and I think that it boiled down to <clears throat> some, some of the extreme conservative right in the LCMS didn't like the way he said it. Um, or thought that he said it in a way, or, or what, whatever it was, it, it turned into this, um, he's a bad guy, here comes Seminex again, where we're saying that, um, so they, I mean, they were calling him a Seminex professor, that he's saying that the word of God isn't inspired, or the word of God is... Uh, he's just saying that the manuscripts we have are not the word of God. It, it, seemed, it seemed like it, and, and I'm, I it, honestly, so he's so smart, and his paper wasn't easy for a guy like me to read. I did read it. <laughs> but doesn't mean I understood it. <laughs> I, I gave it the old seminary try. Um, but he's – we shouldn't be surprised. He's smarter than me because he's a professor. <laughs> That's his job. <laughs> like his, I'm, my job isn't to do the things that he does. His job is to do the things he does and teach me some of it. So anyways, um, so the, the conservative right got – all up in arms, trying to press charges, trying to do this, trying to review. They're saying that people make mistakes in copying stuff. Yeah. And then what, what – Which they, we know is true because manuscripts – you put one manuscript of the Gospel of John next to another and there's going to be times when they don't say exactly the same thing. And so it's our job to figure out our best guess which as is to most what the faithful. original said. Yeah, which is, which is the most faithful document. It's cool. So they, they set up a debate. With um, some guy I had never heard of before this, and then I, I tried. Was to he smarter than you too, or no? And that that was <laughs> yeah, not good. <laughs> so, so super smart guy debating, yeah. and then he streamed it online, and I watched it, and and Chloe like in an academic, churchly churchman kind of way chokes him out, choked him out, <laughs> choked the guy out, and then the conservative right all went, our guy won, and the, and the left was like, were you watching the same thing I was because. He got smoked. Because Big John raised Cole's yeah. hand. So it, it was weird. And then – so then they go, all right, um, I guess we're done here. And then they go, no, 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 no. Our guy won. Now you have to recant. And close goes, uh, For what? recant what? And they were like, you need to like, – OK, what part of this? We did this at Worms, right? I mean Luther's there going, recant what? Yeah. You're writing. Well, show me where I'm wrong. So then he gave he, – yeah. he had a paper and he, and he gave this like public reading of his paper – None of none of those who who didn't like it came to hear it, and they said, "You have to recant that." And he was like, "Recant what? <laughs> Show me the thing." And then the synod, like the the seminary, was like, "Hey, synod, we got to do something. This is getting out of out of hand. This has got to stop and go Calm away." Down. Yeah. And the synod's response was, well, "He should just recant." Again, recant what? <laughs> and then the response from Synod was, well, we didn't read the paper, so we don't exactly know, but those guys want you to recant, so if you could do that, that would be great. So what, what underlines <laughs> – it sounds like okay. – what underlines this is if the laity actually knew what we really believed, it would be trouble. If we actually told the laity that like your ESV Lutheran study Bible is actually 
our best guess based on the available manuscripts at what the originals said. But we don't have the originals, but we're trying to convince you, trying to show you that your Bible is trustworthy and the Word of God. Instead of saying, your Bible is our best guess at the inspired and errant infallible autographs. I think it's I think it's worse than that. I think it's I think that would be Okay, Alex Jones, let's go. I think that would be good news. (laughs) It is a little bit Alex Jones, but I I think it's right. I think Synod has um, because again it's just political, they see that those, especially those on the right with our current administration, those who are barking at Cloa are the constituents of the current administration. So that puts them in an awkward spot of, okay, so what part of it do you want me to recant? I can't really find a thing to say, but my constituents are all telling me that you got to go. Why do, why do those people who are barking at Cloa want to get a guy like Cloa, want to get him out of the seminary or, or pop him or whatever? Well, the, the whole point is if, if you're trying to grab power – if you're trying to state – well, and they're not trying to grab power because they, they have it. I mean that's the administration right now. So trying to hold on to that, you're getting your foothold into the institutions that are developing guys. If you can get the institutions to continue to develop guys who are kind of in line with where you land on these things, those are all votes for future administrations. So this group is trying to press the development of pastors – to the right, um, this group is trying to press and develop them to the left, and it really the reason why that continues to happen is because there's something to get. But I don't understand why simply acknowledging original autograph copied into Greek manuscripts and Hebrew manuscripts, we discover these manuscripts and try to based on those most of them are fragments, recreate the original and then translate that original into English, that shouldn't be a left-right issue. That's just the way it is. Which is why I believe that's not the, the issue. The real issue is the the politics of holding the power. That's what it is. Because it, it isn't it isn't giant. I mean, they, they were calling him a Seminex. Seminex professors were who were guys. I talked to so one of one of my heroes in development when I was growing up, um, this guy Tim Mashkey. Um, Reverend Dr. Tim Mashkey, professor at Concordia, um, retired recently. He would tell stories because he was there during Seminex. And he said he had, he had a professor start a class with, if the resurrection really happened, could you imagine? And he said he went back to his room and cried. I mean, he was 18 or 20, whatever he was. So I mean, that was real. Let's Let's not pretend like Seminex wasn't a problem. <laughs> that was a problem. But to, to equate that with Cloa, so come on. <laughs> You're bonkers. And the difference there is the Seminex guys are saying the original autographs are not trustworthy. Right. And so, that, I mean, just for the average listener out there. Yeah, they're right? saying that the – Whereas Cloa is saying the, the, original manus, the original autographs are trustworthy, inspired, and errant, infallible – we don't have them. Yeah. Seminex is saying the original autographs, the stuff that Paul wrote and that w- – Didn't happen. Is not trustworthy. Right. Super different. Very, very different. <laughs> but – yeah. So anyways, um, Chloe took a job in Europe um, doing awesome stuff 
and he's going to continue to spread the gospel, teach great theology, and be a rock star, but he's not in our system anymore. We eat our own. Yeah, we eat our own. Um, but th- this is why uh, I'm, 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 I agree with kind of what Burkholz and, and other people have said. If there's something to get, we are going to develop parties. If there's, if there's a, a prize, I, I wrote this in one of my posts, if, if there's a carrot – that that means we're going – somebody's going to want that. And if somebody wants that, somebody else is going to want that. Well, we're, now we're going to work to build constituents to try and press to get this one thing. I'd rather I'd rather be – yeah, I want my 51%. Yeah, let's get rid of the carrot. Let's, let's make it so there's nothing to fight over. There's no, there's no winning. There's no administrations. There's, there's no top of the heap. We can be a really flat organization of churches. Which is why the district should be encouraged to view money coming in as a sacred trust. You need to maximize the effectiveness of that money. If you think giving it to the synod maximizes its effectiveness for ministry and mission, by all means, dear, send it on. But if you think you can better manage that money to reach people for Jesus and strengthen the faith of people who already believe by keeping the money in-house, you shouldn't have a burden on your conscience to send it to LCMS Incorporated. Yeah. I mean, it really, the if, if they're not... Well, that way, the synod has to prove their worth. They have to prove their worthiness, which means they need to develop their mission. This is why you give to us. Yeah. This is our mission. This is why we're here. Yeah. And I really – it's not education in schools anymore because they've really divested themselves of that. It's not missionaries. Another thing that, that really I don't think people understand is most missionaries raise their own funds. Mm-hmm. So again, here, here is another case of um, they want to be the hand slapper. So I can – there's a list of missionaries that, that I could give you, and I won't say their names because I don't want to get them in hot water. But they go out and get their own money, and we as a congregation have supported them, often through Mission Central that, that Gary Teese runs. And he – again, he raises uh, far more money for missionaries and sends more missionaries than the synod because the synod doesn't pay missionaries. The synod, that's not where your funds go. If you're giving to district and district then gives to the the synod, that money doesn't end up paying missionaries and and funding missionaries. They have to raise their own funds. But what the synod will do is say, I'm sorry, you're not a missionary anymore. But I've raised all these funds. Well, yeah, they'll be used for a different missionary because it's not you. And that's, again, where this political thing, I, I don't think it should surprise anybody that the missionaries going out and and the ones who are are being recruited and sent out they, they they still have to go get their own funds but that they get that position they're all falling into that category in that camp that it's on that right hand side picked by the current administration of that kind of bend that's that's what's happening so they they can't fund the missionaries but they can put the thumb on them mm-hmm that, that's what synod is. Synod is a hand slapper and maybe a political something or other in D.C. Huh? One thing I'm glad you didn't bring up and then, then we, need to, we need to wrap this up, right? Because, again, Holy Week. Easter sermons. What do you – Easter sermon. It's the Easter sermon today. It's not about the bunny. It's about the lamb. <laughs> that's a pretty good title actually. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's not what I'm preaching on. <laughs> Why is the resurrection of Jesus scary is what I'm preaching on. Cool. Because everyone – do not be afraid. Why would we be afraid? Because you are afraid. Why are you afraid? Right. The women leave the tomb in the end of Mark, right? 
and they go out and the original again original this autograph <laughs> ends with they went out and told no one any because they were afraid and we're going stupid they're not stupid no oh. why are they afraid because the end of the age has begun and the end of the age is scary oh yeah so we have overlapping ages the age of this age which sucks mm-hmm. the age of the kingdom which is awesome mm-hmm. and maybe not decision theology but which kingdom do you want to live in right Right. And and God has invited you, called you to live in this kingdom. And it's, it is terrifying. I'm pointing to the hand that is the kingdom of <laughs> Jesus. It looks a little bit like a Hitler salute, so I don't know where you're going with that. <laughs> Many places, actually. Uh, no, so so that's what that's what we're going to be talking about at St. Or we'll have talked about at St. Paul. But um, district, synod. For or against. <laughs> True or false. You're, you're, you're leading me to see – I mean – so I, I, just putting together what you're saying, because you've put more thought into this than I have, and your brain works a little different than mine does. Um, At all? <laughs> which is to say, right, so it's not that you would get rid of synod. It's just that you would have a very limited, very limited, like a server somewhere <laughs> with a janitor and maybe a guy Yeah. role for synod. Not get rid of it, but just – Make it fit the new reality of we have the internet. We can communicate effectively. Districts are now – individual districts are larger than the synod was when the synod was founded. Right. Yep. So I – Restructure that bad boy. Yeah, absolutely. So pull the presidents together. Um, and I mean – so then your district president's job is like you know, 10, 20 percent connect with other districts and see like, OK, this is Iowa West. Should Iowa West be in altar, pulpit, fellowship? And, and should we be partnering with Nebraska? Yeah. New Jersey wants to get together and fund a missionary to somewhere. Let's yeah. talk to them about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. Um, the one thing I'm glad you didn't bring up and, and criticize uh, Synod and districts for is the salaries and compensation that they pay their people. Oh, I agree. I think I agree with you. You tell me what you say and then I'll yell or not yell at you. If they're doing their job, they're not underpaid. Right. And by the way, it's a hard job. Yeah. And if you want to fly first class every once in a while because you need to get some sleepy sleepy going from one thing directly to the next. Yeah. Sure. This, that, that's not – I have no problem with that at all. I don't fly first class. But that whole – that criticism of synodical and district officials I think is radically off base. It is. It is because the, any pastor who's saying that is a hypocrite because well, – They're jealous. Th- well, they're getting paid more than the rest of their staff. The, the, the highest paid person in your church is probably your pastor. If, if you have a senior pastor and associate, associate's not making more than the senior. So it's it's just the same same model structured up. If you're responsible for more things, if if you are if you're up on the ladder, we need to compensate those people at a higher level. Now we could we could debate if it's egregious, like if. if if I found out that Harrison's making four point two million dollars a year, I got an issue. <laughs> All right, but if he's pulling in two hundred G's, if he's doing his job, sure, yeah, sure, I'm fine. That is that is not an issue at all in my world. I I think that that is um, uh, a fallacious argument. Yeah, I'm I'm actually saying you did something right by not bringing it. It's up. weird. This doesn't happen a lot with us. Right. Yeah. No. I, I, <laughs> We're in violent agreement. <laughs> yeah, no, and, and and that's one of the. I mean, we can get into this, not today, but you know, you're talking about the clergy, the clergy shortage, the clergy crisis. It's bigger than that. In that, not only do we not have enough pastors, 
arguably. We have the wrong kind. Yeah. And the reason why we have the wrong kind and or not enough, and you can argue whether or not we have enough, right? I'm of the camp that I think we got plenty. Yeah. We have too many congregations. Yeah. But, okay, fine. There's churches that are vacant. Every church needs a pastor. The problem is we're attracting the wrong kind of guy to the ministry. And one thing that would attract different kinds of men to the ministry would be we're not going to punish you financially to to be a pastor. Now, St. Paul compensates me very well, so I'm not at all talking about my position. Um, But some guys, brother pastors on food stamps. I know. And it's like, guys, this is embarrassing because you put – one one way you show that you value something is the amount of money you you attach to it. Mm-hmm. And what does it say that churches value their pastors as much as, I mean, fill in the the other profession that requires a master's degree mm-hmm. right, or should um, to do the job, right? And it's it's insulting. Absolutely. Um, so I would argue, and so again, I'm going to extend our time a little bit. But one of the problems I that wrote I wrote my sermon weeks ago. One of the problems <laughs> I think we have with. Uh, you know, now the seminaries are going back to free tuition kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You, have, you have to fill out the grants and the paperwork, da 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 It's free. Yeah. That's not the solution. They did that when we went there. That was not the solution. Didn't work. No. Uh, and and, and I, I remember we were talking at, at seminary about, are they bringing in these dum-dums? If you bring in dum-dum pastors that can't get their thumb out of their eye, that makes the synod more necessary. <laughs> Maybe it's going to be living faith. I don't know. We may be on the – but if you bring in dumb, dumb pastors that can't that, – that are going to blow up congregations, now you've made the districts and the synod more necessary because they need to come in and fix dumb, dumb pastor mistakes. So districts the conspiracy sure. theory – the conspiracy yeah. theory that was floated when I was at SEM was the reason why they're letting everybody in is it makes the districts and synod more necessary. That is a good conspiracy theory. <laughs> There's some value to that. Instead of giving guys free tuition on the front side, yeah, because then oh darn, I'm I'm one semester short of graduating. Golly gee, I don't think I don't think God's calling me out to be a pastor. But <laughs> I'll, I'll take the MA and go on and get my PhD. Thanks, yeah. thanks for the free ride. You're you're bringing in everybody. Instead, say mm, it's going to cost you while you're here. So if you flake out, that's on you. Yeah. Um, rather boost the wages of the guys coming out on the back end. Yep. And we're talking to handle what a sixty thousand student loan debt. You're talking for ten. You're talking an extra eighty five hundred yeah. a year. You're not talking huge sums of money, but it rewards the guys for going through the process, getting to the end. What it doesn't do is give guys who are coming out of college who love Jesus who don't know what they want to do with their life something to do for four years. Yeah, and so here's another similar interesting thought. Well, I'm not opposed. I, I think that what what people make at synod level for salaries. That that is not our concern, not our issue, not not the problem. The problem is, I don't think those jobs should exist. So it's not right. that I think they should get paid less. I think there shouldn't be a job there. It should be zero dollars. Now imagine you had a district who, instead of sending half of the money on to the Senate, has that pile of cash. As pastors are coming in, they're able to help service that debt, or just in general. Um, if there's a con- this is a great idea. It's, it's a it's almost like socialism, which isn't against the Bible. Did you know that socialism? Like I, while I'm not a fan of it to run our country, there's nothing in the Bible that says socialism is wrong, other than what God's role for government is. Why God created government? Right, but this isn't government. This this is in the we district. talk socialism. <laughs> generally viewed as a anyway anyways i'm not a socialist but here's a socialist model (laughs) for our district everybody gives to the district now you might have um 
Country Bumpkin Church in Iowa. There's plenty of them. And God bless those people. They need their church. They're not going to drive four hours to get to Living Faith. They're, they're going to go to church in wherever podunk, middle of nowhere, Iowa they live. And that's a that's lot. that's home. Because that's home. It's a lot of Iowa. <laughs> a, a whole lot of this place is nowhere. So um, they, they can't afford to pay their pastor a, a wage that is good and is right because they, they have 50 people in church. The district can take some of that money instead of sending it on to synod to boost that guy's salary. Make him right. Do partnerships. Why not? If he's good. Yeah, no, removing the variable of that guy might be a moron. Like they can – but see, and I think maybe now they can say instead of paying him you know, $20,000 a year, we can pay him a real salary. We can go out and get a good guy. Right. And then somebody with you know a wife and kids can look at – have a call and be like, I I can't take that call because it's – I had a call extended to me once from Nebraska. True story. Where? Uh, I can't remember because it was nowhere. It, it was once again. I mean, like like Iowa. Yeah, a lot of Nebraska. Um, in the middle, <laughs> I think. Okay, sure, I, sure. No, no, no. Um, so they they send me the the. I said, yeah, okay. I, I didn't even know I was on the list. I was like, cool. I got a call, and then they send me the documentation. And nope. I, and I'm looking at the salary wasn't wasn't good. Um, and I'm, but that's not the reason I'm going to say yes or no. But I'm looking at the health package. They don't cover my family. I have to pay that. And what that would cost with a wife and six children actually was more per month than they would be paying me. So I I still right. – like, and I still forced myself to prayerfully consider it. But I was like, I can't pay you nice to be your pastor. Nice part-time job offer you've extended. <laughs> yeah, I it's, can't do this. I, it doesn't – I don't, but I can't. Well, here's here's where the rubber really hits the road on that, I think. And it's how we do – Synod's really big on church planning, right? Church planning is awesome, right? We, we have a church – Aaron, great, great guy, all-star. Steel nipples, right? Iron. Iron nipples, that's right. So says Dalkey. I need to I need to investigate that and find Smile out. Smile and Dave and iron nipples Aaron. <laughs> it's quite a circuit we have. Um, so so who, who does the church plant thing? Well, I'm not going to do it because, one, the pay is low. So as a husband and father, I can't do that and provide for my family. And also the risk involved, if this thing goes belly up, now I have nothing. Mm -hmm. So, And and you understand the spiritual nature of the call. Also, Paul does talk about married guys. Yeah, your loyalties are divided between church and and home. Paul doesn't begrudge that fact. He just says, so if you want to be more effective for Jesus, stay single, right? So that's that's and you read it on your own time. First Corinthians something, five, something. six, and seven, right? So <laughs> that's where we're at. But anyway, um, so who gets to be church planters? Guys who their first call and going okay. A lot of really talented guys coming out of SEM doing church planting with no experience. Yeah. So not only do you have to know how to do church, you have to know how to start church. Start church. Yeah. And so the church plant model that we're using is designed not to succeed. I, I don't think it can succeed. Lord willing, it does. But what you want are guys who have been at a church three to five years, like I'm ready for the next challenge. Hey, why don't you plant a church? Hey, why are you cutting my pay and adding risk to my to my family? Yeah. What you're saying is district can remove that risk yep. by saying, we're going to keep you at, maybe even bump your salary up a little bit from your first call because we need people with experience doing this. Yep. And it's not a knock on the guys coming out. They're rookies coming out. I mean, right. rookies are rookies going to rookie, right? Yeah. Not their fault. They're good guys. In fact, 
the seminary is doing what they can to attract the best guys to go into church planting. Yeah. But they don't have the experience. Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, if one of the, I think that one of the most important things, um, and this this tessellates up, right? This scales to infinity, is a cultural. the The culture of a congregation is a real thing, and to to cultivate a good culture inside of a church is a huge part of why they're healthy. Healthy churches grow. Healthy churches, even if they don't grow numerically, the the, the offerings go up. The mission, it's just more effective. To understand a healthy culture or, or to start a healthy church with a healthy culture, you have to know what that is. You have to be in a church that has a healthy culture. <laughs> you have to know what the goal is, what the mission is. Yeah, so this I know what, what we're to shooting build. for. Right. And I, I can't imagine. I would be terrified. A, a church planter coming right out of the sem, first call, plant a church. I go, you don't know you don't have all this experience of that. That's the kind of person that's, she's the kind of person that I want to, that's the kind of guy I'm going to, well, that is not the right guy for that job. <laughs> she is not right for that position. You don't know any of that. And the most critical time to get that right is starting the church. Like, cause I can get yeah. the, I can get a, I can get, this happens. So we have a, um, I say we have one of the healthiest churches in, in all the LCMS in, at living faith. Um, and I say that with zero research <laughs> data to back it up, but it's super healthy. But we have an immune system where um, I've had this within the last couple of years. Somebody in the wrong spot, the wrong place, um, suddenly, like kind of almost out of the blue, decides want to press an agenda. I did nothing. Then the the council just squashed it, and it was it wasn't even like a thing. It wasn't a controversy. It was just you know let's do th- no. I don't, well, that's not the thing we're doing. And it just evaporated. And I, man, if you're in an unhealthy church, that could have been in a, a, a that position, that person could have gotten some people behind them, started some rumors, done some stuff, all of the efforts, because all of those things kind of happened. But immediately people went, no, that's not right. No. This is going to get on. into our next episode, the call process Hold and up. stuff. Right? But – so what I would recommend for, for, the th- for theological education mm-hmm. is to say, let's be – like right now our model is based on your first call is your forever home, right? And and I know that's the case because the seminaries are prioritizing the geographic preferences of their candidates above all else. Yeah, We're going to send you to where you want to go because you're going to stay there. The reality is first calls are first calls. Some guys stay forever. Most guys don't. Right. Let's be honest and call your first call – it's a vicarage. Yeah. So what I would do for theological education to fix it, seminary is three years. That's your basic MDiv and you go out to your first call as an associate. None of this calling guys to their own church is right out of SEM. You need to have that mentoring experience to start with and then go out. Paul worked with Timothy, right? <laughs> <laughs> so – uh, but that's that's written down in, in manuscripts that we can't really not know. And a second century forgery that yeah, so right. Say. So press charges. <laughs> bring it. Bring it. If you've come this Duncan far in the podcast, looking Paul's for Ankeny. Pray, <laughs> Paul wrote Timothy. He wrote it in the <laughs> middle part of the first century. Blah blah blah. Okay, he did. So um no, and so so then you offer two other tracks at the SEM for an extra two years to get another degree. The first one is you get your MBA. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to do budgets and manage the staff, get your MBA, more like a PLI kind of course. Right on. After the three years. Your other track is your smart Mark Burkholz 
you, you stay for a year and a half, two years, get your STM, mm-hmm. right? And then you go out to your first call as a an associate. Super nerd. Right. But your first call has to be to be an associate. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And then from that, you get your church planters coming out at, as an associate to their second call. Because um, reality is most guys don't stay at their first call very long. Yeah, five to seven years, I think, is the average. Yep, I was five. How many were you? Five. Yeah. And it was a good experience. Oh, it was great. It was it was fantastic. But at some point, you're like, I think I've outgrown the position. And I'm kind of starting to annoy the senior pastor. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> I think some people here think I am the senior pastor. Mm-hmm. This isn't good. I need to go. Yeah. Um, and so so I think that, that would help with the church planting thing. Sure. Uh, it would give guys one less year before they reach, if they just put three and out, that replaces your alternate route track. Sure. Three and done. And then um, you have those tracks for guys that I want to be a senior pastor someday. I need to learn the business side of church. Then you have your academic side where I want to be a book nerd and, and, and maybe go on and be an educator. Um, solves all those problems. No, no flaws in it whatsoever. Every Well, everything you said, that's hard. No, I mean, it's not. No, it is. Because and I love the vicarage program. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, Some right. of the best experience I had in my life would being a vicarage supervisor. Right, and my vicarage was awesome. Right. No, I'm, what I'm why I'm saying it's hard is that uh, to do that, it, you're you're going to piss a ton of people off, and people are why are we doing it? it? Just all of that. But everything you just said, that's the kind of thing I'm st- circling back to this this post that I had all the way coming full circle. We're not making those decisions. We're making decisions of, well, this doesn't have enough funding. That goes away. Okay, so let's develop better pastors. Well, yeah, I, I want to make that decision because people are going to get angry. It's going to be hard to do, um, getting everybody on board. Okay, so you're not, you're not doing you're, – you're simply not capable of making that decision because of the, the – you're worried about your constituents. You're worried about keeping your job. You're worried about getting reelected. You're worried about – all of this stuff of of synod ink that it, it's a fail it's a failing system and I think it's going to go away. Dale Meyer, if you're listening, this what? is what you should do for your seminary. Oh, he, but he, he can't. Is do that. Do it. You know you can. He can't. You he know can't. why he can't? Synod will slap his hand. This, that's the reason why there synod wants to be the hand slapper and. Poli- political something junket person guy. So don't pay him. Lobbyist. Don't send him money. I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if if what you're saying is true, then then the response to those who are getting their hands slapped is not a dime more, and we'll see what happens. Yep. We can't and, vote you out. <clears throat> We're not going to vote you out politically. We have better things to do with our time than pol- the only thing we can do is vote with our. If, if what you're saying is true, yeah. Then the only thing you can do is vote with your wallet. Yeah, it's it is a courageous thing to do because I I think a whole generation of guys who would do that district presidents everybody if we all did that that everybody on the front end of that gets pretty burned by the synod. There's a lot of hand slapping. No, no, give us money, give us money, give us money, give us money, and then eventually when okay, you, it's gone. <laughs> or even I mean, if you really wanted to play hardball and. Is is to say we have money for Senate over here, but we said we're going to give this to you in 2019. When in 2019? I don't know. I don't know. So why don't we sit down with the Senate and say, until you've given us da da da, we have the offering right here for you. I mean, if the districts wanted to play hardball, they could. 
district presidents, if you're listening, <laughs> Unky Steve. I mean, no, I mean, the, <laughs> if that again, if that is the problem, that's the solution. Yeah, yeah. you got to play hardball. If you're here to slap my hand, I don't want my hand slapped. Yeah, and we may hold hold on to these offerings until December thirtieth. We're going to give you the money, or just you know start a trust, start start a big bank account, and go every year. We're going to take this money, put it in this pot. Every year, put it in this pot. When we feel like you're working for not us, but the mission of God, mm-hmm. when we feel like you're a good investment, we want to make the investment. Mm-hmm. We want you to be effective. We want you to be healthy and good. And you know what else is useful is then if the if that is effective to shutter the synod and it goes flat. You've got this big chunk of money in your district already to be like, so to here's buy what we Iowa need to East. do. <laughs> we could pay cash for that. <laughs> we could buy and sell their asses ten times over. <laughs> but yeah, then then you've got all this and you go, all right, so now we're gonna invest it, you know, invest in guys coming out of the seminary, invest in planting churches, invest in doing the stuff that synod. 125 years ago when something like that or how how old are we about 150 we're almost coming up on well 1839 is when we when we crash landed oh. right yeah but synod Burkholz, whatever Burkholz will know Burkholz will know ask Burkholz good guy um, that, that's what the synod was supposed to do plant churches mm-hmm. you know train pastors education send missionaries so we're back to this districts Districts can do this. Synod can. All right. You got to go write a sermon. You yeah. won't mind. I just print mine off for you. It won't make a lot of sense because it builds from the sermon series of Lent, but. It's fine. <laughs> no one in your church just tell me you don't you make, Just tell me you don't make fun of the creasters. No. Do you, do you make fun of the creasters? No. Do, do you go to the low hanging fruit? Hey, good to see you. See you at Christmas. No. Why would you be an asshole to somebody who's coming to your church? Luke Tim asking someone why they would be. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's fair. <laughs> uh, I concede that point. I recant. See, if Chloe would have just recanted, <laughs> it would have been fine. How hard is that? Revaco. Yeah, <laughs> How hard is that? Just say, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm wrong all the time. I change my mind on stuff. I rethink things. So, yeah, I, I don't know. All right. Go write your sermon. Thanks for coming in, man. Um, I've, I've got one uh, podcast with you already in, in the banks that I haven't released yet, but I'm going to release this one first because it's more fun. Um, but yeah, Longer, much longer. Super long. <laughs> and it's, it's going to be its own thing. Here we go, boys and girls. We're, we're launching a whole different podcast so I can be a little bit more like me and not have to worry about... Less like church. Yeah, so I don't... Uh, I, it will bring heat on the church. So, all right. Thanks for listening. Well, there you have it. Um, hopefully you enjoyed that. Uh, by the way, the album art, uh, the music, all of these different things are not really, um, they're not final. I uh, just trying to throw this together and get this out here in a timely way. Um, but yeah, it's going to be fun. We're going to talk about uh, everything from politics, some kind of faith stuff, um, just some guys getting together. Kelly's going to be back on this uh, podcast several times. There's going to be a lot of things that we talk about. So I hope you enjoyed this uh, long conversation, I know, but a very interesting topic. And I hope you enjoy, just in general, uh, this sort of a thing. So if you're wondering what kind of podcast this is, 
I don't exactly know yet, other than it's intended to be something that is missing. Um, not just Lutheran LCMS, but something that's missing in our world. Genuine guys who uh, love Jesus, love to have fun, enjoy life, and want to get together and talk. And I think people are going to enjoy it. So hopefully, hopefully you like it. Um, if not, I don't care. Not my problem. So um, enjoy. We'll see you again soon. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.